When you write a song, you're not using any materials apart from your brain, and you're putting it onto a record. Now that's a thing that your great, 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 great grandkids can listen to and and feel. And it's like, that's literally magic. I feel like sometimes I've fluked life. But at the same time, it's your personality that creates that outlook. Hi, my name's Ella McChrystal and this is The New Mind. Uh, Today's guest is the phenomenal Billy Lockett, who is a singer-songwriter. He's also from Northampton, which, you know, (laughs) make of that what you will. Up the road. Up the road, literally. (laughs) Um, Billy's here to talk about, well, certainly his career, but also, um, as most of you will know by now, this is a storytelling podcast and there'll be parts of what we talk about today that will be very interesting because what Billy does for a living is quite frankly, very different to most of us. And there'll be lots of insights and stories and things to take away that will relate to both the mind, but also just a general life. And we're going to have a laugh as well, aren't we, Billy? Always. (laughs) Always. So Billy, thank you for being here. Yeah, thanks for having me. <laughs> You're so welcome. Um, we've talked quite a bit off off camera about various bits and bobs, but I kind of want to understand a little bit about how you've gone from being just a boy from Northampton to working with some of the most phenomenal artists. So just to name a few, ELO. Yeah, man. Lewis Capaldi. I, li- I, I like that you said ELO before Lewis Capaldi. That's good. <laughs> I really like that. Because most people are just like, oh, and it's like electric light orchestra. And you're like, who? And you're like, Mr. Blue Sky. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The oh, only God. song anyone knows. Is it really the third prompt that you get? <laughs> <laughs> you know? <laughs> ELO are just a brilliant, brilliant yeah, band. One of the best all-time greats. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm actually more impressed by that than any yeah, of the others. I know, same. Yeah. Not that no was... disrespect to anybody else, but ELO is they're just great. Yeah. The greatest. Yeah. Uh, so we've got ELO, we've got Lana Del Rey, we've got Lewis Capaldi. Um, you've been featured on Love Island several times. Yeah. Uh, made in 20, Chelsea. 24 times, actually, to be 24 exact. 24 times. Yeah. But the biggest one for me, not yeah. Hollyoaks, not Made in Chelsea, Neighbours. Oh, well, not James Corden, though. <laughs> oh, James Corden's quite interesting, but still Neighbours beats it. <laughs> Neighbours, yeah. Yeah, fair. Not X on the Beach. No? No, oh, Neighbours still win. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, but Neighbours was literally, okay, so it wasn't even, it was four chords, which for five seconds, I mean, if I don't even think Shazam would have picked it up as me. <laughs> but it still happened. Still happened, it's still there, it's on the CV. You can't deny it. <laughs> yeah. And and then you were on the James Corden show. Yeah. So what happened there? How did that happen? Yeah, that was an interesting one actually because the the song that that I actually wrote, I was going to release it with my label at the time, um, which was am I even allowed to say that? Oh, screw it. Which was Warner, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and they they basically just hated the song. They didn't like it, so they just gave it back to me. Um, oh. And uh, so when they dropped me, they they, they sort of like we had a sort of a deal of what songs they are going to keep and what songs I'm going to keep. Got you. And they gave me hard act to follow back um and it turned out the guy i wrote it with was uh, a guy called andy burrows who is the uh, drummer of Razorlight. and so he raised like what a great yeah, band amazing band and they were big at the time when gavin and stacy were starting to yes. really go and so so he became friends with james corden quite quite good family friends so i think they're like kids are friends and their wives are friends wow. so so um he basically was at their house one day and, and just played them 
played James the song and mess and just sent me a text. He was like, oh, I'm at, I'm at the Corden's house. I'm going to play the song and try and get you on the show. Um, and then, yeah, the day after, uh, James Corden was literally in touch with me. I was on a bus in Peckham and, uh, and, and James Corden got in touch and was just like, Hey, do you want to be, on- are you free in a, in a month? Can you come to LA? And I obviously had to check my busy schedule, but, uh, <laughs> turned out I was free. And, uh, and, uh, I just, yeah, I, I leapt up and I ended up hugging a stranger on the bus. I just leapt up and went, Oh my God. And this woman opposite me was like, what? Which in Peckham is, you don't really talk to someone you don't know in Peckham. Um, and I was I'm going to be on the James Corden show. And she was like, oh my God, that's amazing. It was like, yeah. And then I just hugged her. And then after about three seconds, we both realized that we didn't know each other and it, we didn't really want to be hugging each other. And then I was like, okay. And, and then I just got off and I didn't even, I was nowhere near where I was supposed to be getting off the bus, because, but I just thought I can't go back to sitting down. And next, just being normal yeah, again. And just, and just being like, anyway, <laughs> you know. So what did you do? Did you just walk for miles just saying it over? Yeah, I just, no, I just stood and waited for the next bus. I just thought, well. Oh, oh, you well. had to catch Yeah, bus. I had to catch another bus, yeah. That's <laughs> such a great story. Does anybody else have that story anywhere? Yeah, no, no, I'm not, no, I'm not really t- told anyone that. Actually, I never thought it was story worthy, but yeah, it turns <laughs> out Ella thinks it's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then and the rest was history, really. I um, and we yeah, the next month we were there. We were in LA playing on the show. It was nuts. That is so cool. Yeah. I just love the fact that you know I, I always say that if you're a good person, people will. Um, always have your back like they'll say oh I'm just here at you know just James Corden's house and I've just played your song and he liked it I mean that's such a nice little moment for you just to know that people like you enough to do that yeah I guess it's it's a tricky one isn't it because it's like I guess you have to be good enough and then but there's also a lot I was actually talking to one of my mates about this actually because we're we're sort of thinking about starting a band for some of the touring and we were saying being good enough at the instrument don't get me wrong it's important yeah but the hang is more important (laughs) yeah it's so true you have to want to hang out with a guy do you know what I mean and if you don't want to do that then you know if anything sometimes you can get away with being not that great (laughs) if they're a legend so true (laughs) (laughs) It's so true. I mean, it's that John Lennon thing, isn't it? Where they said, "Is uh, is Ringo Starr the best drummer in the world?" Do you think? And uh, and John Lennon said, "He's not even the best drummer in the band." <laughs> <laughs> That's such a great quote. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But though. he's a good hang, probably a good hang. Yeah, yeah, and that's what it's all about at the end <laughs> yeah. of the day, because that's what you take with you, isn't it? Yeah. What you, the experiences you have? Yeah, totally. Not necessarily whether you were good at it or not. Yeah, and it's about en- enjoying the process as well. As I, th- I think at the moment, with me currently, my touring crew is is literally all my mates. Yeah, and, and it. And when it it didn't used to be, it used to kind of just be a lot of people that were just hired to to work with me. Um, and I definitely, it wasn't that I didn't enjoy it, but there's no, it's nothing co- close to what it is now. Like I genuinely feel like I just live such a dream life because wow. I'm just traveling around the country with my best mates all the time. And uh, And I don't think I've ever had that before now. That's really beautiful, by the way. Because yeah. you make it sound like, no, you're welcome. You make it sound like, oh, I'm just living the dream life. But actually, this has been a hard slog. Yeah, it has. It has. 
it has been a hard slog. And to be honest, don't get me wrong, I'm sure that it, there's going to be times when it's, you know, difficult again. But for me personally, the main reason I wanted to do this in the first place was to gig. Yeah. That was always the thing. I was like, you know, this is why I don't understand all these TikTok stars. I'm like, well, yeah, but you're, you're not doing the same job that I want to do. Yeah, yeah, I want yeah. <laughs> to play live. That's the best thing in the world. And yeah, we put music, I'd put music out so that I can sell tickets so I can play live. Yeah. Really, for me, the best thing in the world is walking on stage and singing my song with you know, 600 people who are also like-minded and, and this song is like, we're all in this together and we all feel this moment where, and you know, it could be that this person loves the song because their parent died or it could be that, you know, they broke up with this person that broke up with a girlfriend or this person might not even know what the lyrics mean. They just like the tune, but whatever, we're all feeling this and having our own personal experiences together in this one room. And then nothing will ever come close to that, you know? And yes, you get this new technology, you know, cds beat tapes and vinyl and and then there's spotify and now there's tiktok and there's going to be all these different things constantly changing the way the music industry is but live is the same as it was at the beginning yeah there's never going to be anything that can replicate that no you're <laughs> you know, right there's never going to be any feeling like that and you never. can't fake that either no and there are moments we were talking about that earlier like there are moments with certain instruments and you were saying that you've brought in the strings and the gospel and yeah and even you'll be like stopping going even though it's on your yeah. gig going oh wow yeah and it's not even just the sound of it it's not even just how good it sounds it's the feeling of of just being here like nothing will ever change nothing will ever beat real life in, no. my, in my in my opinion um and yeah you know you can buy the record and you can you can watch it on tiktok but but just being in this one room together singing is is, and it's just such a beautiful moment and, yeah. and and to to have that is a real honor and a gift and I've only just got to that because the last you know I've been doing this for 10 years and the last nine years there's been times when tickets have been easy to sell uh, but never like a, a given never a given I've always had to do that secondhand car salesman thing of like come on guys come yeah. down or I've done like a bundle where you buy a record and you get two tickets all this stuff that you always tricks you've always got to do yeah to get people to just come and see you live um and this is the first time that I feel like you know when I put a tour on sale I'm pretty confident that it's just going to sell out. I mean, oh God, touch wood. But I've just finally got to a point where I, I know that I have my cult fan base who who will, you know, they like me because of that feeling of coming to a show. And they really are like a fan base. <laughs> yeah. They are, they're they? are family. They're family. They I know really them are. all. I know them, you know. I'm friends with thousands of people all over the country. It's so awesome and I get to hang out with them all every time I tour I get to see everyone again and they're and, like they know every single word they sing along yeah. to everything they are yeah. they're not off by heart well this isn't the thing actually I was saying earlier it's like because I don't have a hit you know obviously I'm sure my label and my manager would love a hit but, <laughs> yeah. but I'm slightly enjoying not having one because it means the only people who know about me are the people who know every song yeah you know there isn't that thing of you know you because I've, I've been to I'm not going to name any names but I've been to a lot of shows where you go and everyone's talking through the whole set until yeah. until the encore and, no, then, and right. that's the one they listen to yeah and that's 
that's just not fun. It's not fun for the artist. It's not fun for the crowd. And I, I don't know. I just, for me, I, I, I want, if you, if you've not heard of me, then don't come. That's fine. Yeah. Don't worry about it. Yeah. You want that. Yeah. Where we said the secret, I'm going to own this. Yeah. The secret fan club. Oh yeah. The, yeah, the, the secret se- members club. Yeah. That's yeah, it. Secret, secret members. Se- it does have that feel. Yeah. It does. It really, it really has that feel at the moment. And it's like every song that I play live everyone knows every word yeah they really do it's It's not even an exaggeration it's so great it's that's that was my aim from the beginning it was never to be number one it was never to have platinum records or arena it was just to be able to get to six seven hundred people in every city that just are with you and you can have a good life with that you know you can have a good career financially and mentally you can have a very nice you know life is great Which you do you've <laughs> yeah. said that and, and and that's a really good point because that brings me neatly on to something that's really big in the news which is lewis capaldi who you toured with so you know lewis who has tourette's and we saw at glastonbury what happened with lewis was obviously there's been a lot of stress and strain and he wasn't well he might have wanted to enjoy it but in that moment he wasn't enjoying it yeah. you also have tourette's you're open about tourette's and adhd yeah. and everything you've just said is this is a happy enjoyable life i've got my real diehard fans i'm touring with phenomenal people i've got to do some amazing things like going to you know la and all this stuff but it's not to the point where it's stressing you out yeah and don't get me wrong there are times when it when it does stress me out you know as soon as right now i'm in this real sweet spot where i've just finished a tour and i'm not having to sell anything to anyone and so there isn't this feeling of i've got to keep posting and i've got to keep trying to and i'm not keep looking at numbers and dreading it because you know with this with with the last tour it's been four months and the the first two months was a headline tour and i was spending every day looking at ticket sales and panicking, you know, and really kind of going, oh my God, some of the rooms, we've done 30 tickets in like a three, 400 cap venue and, and I'm freaking out and I'm thinking, yeah. is it, is it COVID? Is it that people are bro- like broke at the moment, cost of living crisis, yeah. but the tickets are really cheap and like, maybe people are just going off me or maybe I wasn't good enough live on the last tour. And then, then you start spiraling into all these things. And, the bottom line is it's just it's all of those things and yeah. none of those things and, <laughs> yeah. and there's nothing you can do to change it apart from keep telling people about it and I guess so right now there there isn't that worry I am in, so it's easy for me to, me to say oh there's no stress because there's nothing to really be stressed about I've, I've done it but at the end of the day what I've learned from that tour was that it isn't about how many people are there it's just about like having an amazing time with the people who are yes. and and, on, and and people don't care if it's not sold out they just want to come and see you and they well, just for want those to hang fans, out yeah they, i was going to say for those fans yeah it's better for them because they're like oh great we've got an all to ourselves <laughs> this is the funny thing because on the first on the first show of the tour it was sheffield and it was literally like it felt like a, a snooker match from the 1930s it was like 30 old men in a dark room, <laughs> you know, with stools and me smoking cigarettes, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it was a laugh. You know, there were a couple of younger girls who looked kind of just scared to be there, really. Um, <laughs> but but we had a laugh and, and we had a really good time, and and it, it meant I could sort of just chat to everyone. And then, you know, 
I guess the word got round and and it was starting to pick up and things were, the album was starting to sell and and by two three weeks later we were back in Sheffield doing you know two and a half thousand people so yeah. it was a, and and now it's a situation where like you know there's, every show is selling is selling out very quickly so it was it's an interesting thing how quickly it can change yes you know and but I just hope that I don't lose what I had in in Sheffield on yeah. that night and uh, and luckily I, I think I'm managing to still keep it you know in Birmingham it was we did I think it's like five or six hundred and it was a squashed you know sweaty box room gig. yeah but I still had that feeling of yeah I'm with them and I you know I purposefully don't have in-ears I always use monitors um which do you know, do you know what I mean yeah 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 because with in-ears I can't hear what's going on I can't hear the crowd you're a bit disconnected yeah yeah. Whereas with monitors, I, I, you know, it's, I feel like I'm with everyone. And so, yeah. you know, someone will, someone will say something, someone will be a bit drunk and they'll be like, my mum saw you at that, you know, <laughs> and then I can be, instead of hide, I used to sort of hide away from that and be like, oh, oh no, you're, you're interrupting my show. And I, no, this isn't going to plan now, but now I'm kind of like, oh, okay, let's see where this goes. Do you know what I mean? And yeah. you start having a conversation with them and you can say things like, do you realise that there's like other people here? You know, and then and then you can have like fun with it, you know. Yeah. And then Jeanette, just so hammered, and and then and that's all part of it, you yeah. know. And you can, yeah. and I just hope that when it when it gets bigger and bigger, it, that we don't lose that. Well, you, you feeling you, well, of it. If you don't want to lose it, you won't. <clears throat> but I guess it's sometimes it's hard to because w when we were doing the Dean Lewis tour, the, the shows were so big that when someone did shout out, you you had no idea of working out. <laughs> who it was yeah. really yeah you know and then you're looking you're like who was that and then everyone's sort of like it goes quiet and because no like, one oh, wants no. to be seen really yeah, yeah and it's not like i'm picking on you guys it's like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i want to have some fun you've just you've just announced that you want to have some fun here so <laughs> yeah, let's go yeah. you need to be the the stand-up comedian <laughs> because actually people do that well don't they when they're doing the the big <clears> shows like you know the likes of kevin bridges who is just going to fill up the o2 yeah, yeah he will still be able to do that still be able to pick learning that out. skill yeah, I think I, I'd love that. I, I always feel like I maybe I secretly wished I was a stand-up comedian. I'm you just could be both. A, pretend to be a songwriter to fit it in. Because <laughs> <laughs> no one will listen to my jokes if I don't sing. <laughs> it's like yeah. the backwards way of doing it. <laughs> I love that. Oh, and also you were talking about your love of tennis. So if you could combine yeah, yeah. all three. I know, an exhibition <laughs> match of tennis, yeah, on stage. Whilst telling jokes and singing. I can imagine Lee that. Evans doing something like that. Yes. Can't yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, actually, you're right. Beat him to it before he hears yeah, a joke this. while singing and bouncing a ball <laughs> yeah. while riding a unicycle. <laughs> That's so true. You'll probably yeah. be able to do all of that. Just practice. Yeah, yeah, it's all practice. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, um, the other thing that's interesting about you is that you come from a genetic pool of artists. Your dad was an artist. Yeah. And a very, very good one. We said, didn't we, earlier, and I know you've said before, like it was such a shame that he wasn't more well-known because his work is astonishing. Yeah, it's a, I mean, he's one of the best. Um, and everyone knew he was at the time as well. I think that was, that was a tricky thing. And it wasn't like he... I mean, he did okay. He had exhibitions all over the world and things, but he just never really. I think it got to a point in the eighties where people stopped buying art and they started buying, you know, four by fours and TVs. Yeah, it really kind of it shifted like quickly. 
and uh, it scared everyone. And it it went from a point where he was selling you know thousands and thousands of pounds worth of work, which at the time was tens of thousands, um, to not selling anything. What you a know. shame, though. Yeah, it was a weird. It was a weird upbringing because the first five years of my life we were pretty wealthy really um and he, he bought this big house with with uh i think it was like four paintings so four paintings to buy this giant house oh my on. Gosh. that's what that is abington grove wow um and then suddenly just su- suddenly no one wanted to buy any of it anymore and then he made a really bad deal as well there was a company called washington green who um is a big publisher and they they, they, I remember them coming over to the house all wearing their suits and it was a big team all looking at all the paintings and they essentially offered him a deal where it was like I think it was something like 95% to them 5% to him um which obviously you know sounds bad but that's 5% of millions you know yes. what I mean so it, and it would have been it would have pushed his artwork everywhere it'd have been just making millions of prints of his work and pumping it out to all over, all over the place right um and obviously he asked me what he should do. How old were you? I was eight. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I'm sorry. The reason yeah. I've so... Yeah, I know. Exactly. Exactly. And, 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 me, and me and my dad were business partners and I was eight years old. And I, <laughs> I have a lot of respect for him for having respect for my opinion yeah. at that age. Always treated me like an adult. But at the same time, I'm eight years old and I yeah. don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And so to an eight-year-old, 95%, 5% sounds like a terrible deal. <laughs> yeah. And so I was like, it's rubbish. And so he said, okay, <laughs> I'm not doing it then. Right. And they essentially, in his eyes, blacklisted him and, and, and then went, okay, cool. If you don't want to go with us, you're not going any with anyone. And so he could never really... He said that he couldn't sell a painting afterwards and he couldn't get a publishing deal and everything went very wrong. And so for the rest of our lives, I mean, that was about the time my mum left because it was just, there was just no good living, you know, there was no money and so life was, life was tough. And so I understand my mum kind of just didn't want to do it anymore. And uh, so I stayed with my dad and we ended up spending pretty much the hot from about eight years on in complete poverty living off you know spam every day wow um but in this huge house wow it was the weirdest thing we had zero like, i couldn't even have a bath because my dad would say it was too expensive you Bloody know like, how what yeah, a- no heating on um could never went on any school trips never never did anything ever or i always had you know I always used to get taken a piss out of having like a terrible bike so I'd have to get it from the tip, you know, and all my yeah. friends would have these fancy bikes and I never had any, just never had anything really. My clothes were always hand me down. I mean, I'm not doing like a sob story. I'm just saying it was a very interesting way of living from like f- five years of being pretty rich to, to just nothing. <laughs> wow. I mean, what lower school did you go to out of interest? Vernon Terrace. Vernon Terrace, right. I, I assumed it would be Simpson. So, sorry, this is the Northampton conversation. For Simpson the North- Avenue, yeah. I'm yeah, Simpson yeah. Avenue, because that's literally just across yeah, the way. Yeah, that literally is But you went road. a bit further up. I was just thinking that because actually that, that was all, I went to Simpson Avenue. Yeah. And that was quite a diverse area even then. And yeah, we go back like 40 years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But actually, did you feel that you were the only one that well, was... Vernon Terrace had a lot of... Um, uh, special needs kids. Yeah. Loads, yeah. actually. In yeah. fact, I'm sort of thinking maybe it was a special <laughs> needs. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I'm thinking, hang on a minute. <laughs> <laughs> Did I go to Is there something they're not telling me? Because I just thought everyone was a bit weird. <laughs> <laughs> This is so funny. <laughs> but um, He's just working his yeah, life and out. I was thinking, and I kept thinking, okay, well, what? which one's mine then? Because this guy's deaf and this guy's not got any legs. And I was thinking, well, okay, what's mine? And then I guess and then as I got to about 22, I was like, oh, <laughs> that, this is my one. Tourette's <laughs> yeah, and ADHD. But yeah, actually, funny enough, the Tourette's came on when I was about well, it was about nine or ten. Oh, so that was a bit later. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So nine or ten was when it first came, and I remember I just got this noise, with this sort of, which I was saying it's the only one I've still got, yeah. which is a, <laughs> I do that, and I've <laughs> got to get the right sound of it as well. Like <laughs> if I get, don't get it right, if I don't get the swoop, at the, I can't believe I'm even talking about this because this was <laughs> one of the most embarrassing things in my entire life before. Um, but if I don't get the swoop right at the end, it doesn't satisfy me so enough you have to, to do it again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, and now I've learned to, I've been able to sort of like disguise it as a cough and all these yeah. other things, and I can hold it back when I'm doing things like this. And yeah. but it's only when I get into like a into my house, and then I just let rip. Basically, yes. if I'm reading or if I'm playing video games or I'm watching TV or you know, my, Kirsten's managed to sort of just sort of like it's just a soundtrack to her life, and she doesn't even <laughs> notice it. Um, well, no, I suppose it's so normal to her now. Yeah, I mean, she just falls asleep to it. It's, it's nothing really. Um, my dog Trevor gives me some unusual looks if I'm having a real big one. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it was, look at me up. Dogs just keep, they keep it yeah. real, don't they? Yeah. What are you doing? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> no one else does that. I love <laughs> the fact it's called what? Trevor. Yeah, yeah. I just, it just worked. Yeah. I think they need to, I think Walter and Sid meet, need to meet Trevor. Yeah, man. Yeah. Trevor's a, Trevor's a bit poorly at the moment, actually. Oh, no. Yeah. He's got, a, he's got a flu. He, he went to a dog, um, he went to Teddy's dog daycare, oh, yes, which yes, is amazing, yes. but yeah. like, can't sing their praises enough. Can I just give a shout out to Darcy's Dinky Dogs then? Because they're amazing too. Okay. Yeah. They're also amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like dog wars. Um, <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he's come back with a cold, basically. So oh. he's got a little snuffly nose. And for a bulldog to have a blocked nose, yeah, that's not good. Is a real nightmare. I mean, yeah. so I'm hoping four or five days it'll it'll go. But yeah, he's just a bit. Can you give him anything at the moment? I guess you can. You can give him Benadryl yes, and can. all that stuff. Yeah. Um, but what I'm doing is I'm just basically sitting in the bathroom with him with the yeah with the shower on full yeah. blast, and that's just clearing him. God bless, Trevor. but um. Oh, I'm sending Trevor all the good vibes. But yeah, uh, but yeah, with the Tourette's. Yeah, so that came on when I was eight, um, eight or nine. And uh, it was really, really bad when yeah. I was about, from about 12 to, to 14, 15. It was uh, unbearable, unbearable. Like, I just couldn't sleep. I'd just be doing that noise over and over again all night. Just could not work out. Just what. stuck on a loop. Yeah, just on a total loop, and my dad would just be like, "Please shut up! I can't even. No one can sleep. It was a night, and, and no one knew what it was as well, because it really wasn't spoken about. Do yeah. you know the first time I came across it, and you know, it was it was through Big Brother with, yeah. with Pete. That was the yeah. first time I remember that because yeah. I came back into school the next day, and all of a sudden I was cool. <laughs> yeah, thank you, Pete. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for the first time, but at the same time, it's it. it it did give some awareness, yes, yeah. but it was still like it was the extreme case. Yes, like he had he had swear words. Yeah, and he did. Yeah. Whereas, like you know, 
I think it was like something like 60% of people that have got Tourette's haven't got any swear words. Right. I think it might even be more than that. Um, and it, so that was kind of made me think, oh, maybe I haven't got it. Or maybe I have a bit, but it's not enough to be Tourette's. And it would just be ticks or something like that. And, and when you haven't got a name for it, you're kind of just a weird kid. Yeah. When there isn't actually a specific thing. So that was a problem. <laughs> did, did you get bullied? <laughs> It was, yeah. It's just, yeah, it I did get bullied. Yeah, man, it was. It sucked. It really sucked, and it wasn't like mean bully. It wasn't like I'm traumatized by it. But it was like my mates just like just just repeating the noises at me all the time, and yeah. it was kind of like it was kind of funny. But at the same time, I was like, fucking hell, like. I wish I knew what was going on here yeah. and like why I keep doing this. And, and nowadays, like I, I know, and, and it, it's interesting because it will always happen at certain things. I think almost because I've had it for so long now, I'm almost, it's almost trigger memory. And even on my shows, there's a point in one of my songs where I always, I just think about it now, I'm getting it. Um, <laughs> but I always get this one in my wrist whenever I play a song called Together at Home, which is a classical piano bit. And I do the first bit. And then just before I go into this exact section, I got a Tourette there once, which is really unusual because I never get Tourette's when I do music. When I'm playing, when I'm on stage, my Tourette's disappears completely. The, something about the, I mean, it's interesting because we've obviously with Lewis, it's totally not the case. It almost feels like it gets 10 times worse with yeah. him when he's on stage. But with me, it just goes apart from this one moment in this song where I just do have to do that. And then it's all right and I can get into the song and it's fine. But it's yeah. just interesting how it always happens at exactly the same time. Well, well, that suggests the link between that sort of the, the OCD type compulsion. Yeah. Because yeah. people don't understand that about Tourette's. I know a little bit about it because I have worked with a lot of people with Tourette's. I use hypnotherapy and Great. general relaxation well, that's good that someone knows something about it. Yeah, well, yeah, I, I make yeah, yeah. it my business too. Anything yeah. like that, I try to... In terms of a, a way of like, why is it happening? Why is it happening and yeah. how can we change the loop? Yeah. You know, like you were saying there, where you have to complete that swoop. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's, it's changing that loop in the brain. It's like a scratch, bit, an itch being scratched. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it really is that. It's learning to manage that in a different yeah. way. And even um, EMDR, which is eye movement desensitization reprocessing, I reference it a lot because I use it a lot. And, and it's based on REM eye movement and how we store information and how we reprocess information. Oh, okay. So when we go into REM sleep, the bilateral movement in the brain is is when our brain is storing information from the day. But we, but actually, it's the, the psychotherapy itself, EMDR, is about thirty years old. But we've recently realised it's useful with things like anxiety, OCD, and I've used it with Tourette's. Wow. So so with REM, are you saying that the more REM you you get, the the better the yeah so the better it is yeah sure okay. in terms of storing information as well yeah so say someone has a traumatic situation uh, let, let's use lewis capaldi's example because i think there's a lot of stress there which has exacerbated the tourette's yeah rather than being on stage itself i think it's the background stuff mm. that he's experiencing if he was to hold on to that now and not reprocess the the meaning and the understanding around that event it could, I'm not saying it will, but it could hinder 
he might always feel like when I go on stage, I'm now going to have that. Yeah, yeah, he's so treating yeah. self-fulfilling he's prophecy. connecting it together, yeah. yeah. So in situations like that, it can be really good to, you know, you were just saying about that one bit, to yeah. reprocess that one bit so it doesn't keep happening. So yeah, your brain doesn't learn that that's going to happen. Because there's the Tourette's itself, then there's the the circuits that you build around your belief systems. Yeah, I think, therefore I am kind of thing. Correct. Yeah. So that's where hypnotherapy, EMDR, as psychotherapy is really powerful for stuff like Tourette's. Wow, that's great. Finally, something. Yeah. And that's I, why it's a shame. That's why I wanted to, to talk to you about Tourette's because yeah. there'll be people that listen that have Tourette's that go, oh, no one's ever said that to me before. Well, no, yeah, this is this is the thing. Nobody, I, I mean, I'm 32 now and this is the first, you're, that's the first time anyone's ever told me anything about how uh, about, about why it happens yeah it, no one knows why just no one knows why yeah. ever it's just and even even when i got diagnosed when i was a kid they weren't telling me why it was happening they were just trying to teach me ways to hide it yes essentially yeah which is kind of covering up the problem really i mean because now don't get me wrong like, i don't have the noises as bad and i don't have some really obvious ones that i used to have but it's still annoying that I have to constantly keep transferring it into my, you know, my fingers, yeah, and my wrists, yeah, and my toes, and my yeah. ankles, and things, and my neck, and it'd just be nice to just not have to do any of it ever. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, it'd be nice if there was some form of a a cure. I mean, this watch thing seems to be helping people quite yeah. a bit. Is there, is, I haven't really heard much of that recently. There was a big study. That, yeah, you know, it's gone quiet. Yeah, I think anything that uses bilateral stimulation. And yeah. and um, I don't know much about the watch thing. Is that the same thing? There's that... like a wristband, isn't there? That that Lewis right. was trying it yes. the other day. And, yeah, I don't and, know and much it about did, it. It did help, he said. And it's it's about energy. You know, you were talking about energy transfer. Yeah, it's understanding how to instead of just transferring the energy, managing the energy and reprocessing it so that the belief system is reprocessed behind the energy. So, for example, if um. If if a bird you watch this in toddlers, if a bird swoops over the head, the toddler immediately knows to move. It's in a it's it's, it's in the psyche, it's in the subconscious. Repetition is recognition. So the more you do something, the more it gets stored in your brain as a behavior, as a as a something that you'll just do, like I say, a self-fulfilling prophecy. So then you learn to transfer the energy, but you don't learn to reprocess the the belief system. Do you see what I'm saying? I'm not saying that you can completely cure it, but you can reprocess it and change the way it shows up. And, and in a way, that's kind of what I'm doing by transferring the bigger ticks into smaller ticks. Yes. But essentially, you're saying that there is a way of transferring the smaller ticks into no ticks. Yes. Yeah. With the same with the same way of thinking, yeah. basically. Yeah. Oh, that's good. And I there's like so that. many different ways that the body, because the brain and the body are intrinsically linked. Okay. Yeah. So we spoke earlier off camera, just to for, for the listeners' benefit, we spoke about abandonment in in very you know in infants in babies and how they adapt around that abandonment. Now that might not be an intentional trauma, but we're looking at patterns of behaviour from parents' generations and how we've been parented, mm-hmm. and how actually the way that we were taught to parent is actually a form of abandonment because the child can't self-soothe. So when we don't go to them when they're crying, they don't have the ability to calm themselves down. So when we look at just that as one theory, and then we look at things like ADHD, and we look at things like, well, ADHD doesn't have a gene. It's a, you are more genetically predisposed to having ADHD. Oh, something interesting. Your family does. There's a whole field of epigenetics around generational trauma or the way DNA molecules change and so on and so forth. So the way I look at everything is, 
how is your brain adapted around having ADHD and Tourette's? And if it's adapted in a way that's maladaptive and it's not serving you, let's just reprocess it all. Let's just do that. Yeah, yeah as if it's that easy. That. Oh, <laughs> let's just reprocess your brain. Okay. Brilliant. It might take a while, but we'll get yeah. there. There's a journey ahead of us. Yeah. <laughs> but it That's can be done. That's interesting. That's really interesting. I mean, my dad had everything under the sun I mean but he lived in a world where no one was diagnosed with anything ever yes but you know I mean he was uh, uh, he had guaranteed he had Tourette's ADHD anxiety that the works he made me worry about everything yeah you know when I was a, I've, I've got these deep core beliefs of just really ridiculous things like like certain things that would certain foods I'll oh, don't eat that because it could be poisonous or or make sure you don't go there because it's extremely dangerous and it's not you know what I mean yeah. it's just like but I guess he was just such a warrior that it kind of just like taught me these these deep and it basically just drilled anxiety into me from a kid you've really. learned it yeah for yeah. sure I'm not saying there's not a uh, predisposed soft spot really where you would be more likely to yeah. absorb that but you've definitely learned that. I mean, yeah. the worst thing that you can do to a child is repeatedly say, be careful. Yeah. Because they get oh, scared of everything. Oh, my God. My dad was the worst parent. Oh, just hilariously terrible. <laughs> just hilariously terrible. Like, just just the work like just forgot to pick me up from school just wow. would, just would just forget do you know what i mean i'd just be sitting outside like like six years old just sitting there waiting for him to get me and be what like, were you doing i was just sitting in the playground just sitting there what you know when you all, all the parents come and get their kids you know and then I, and regularly the Aww. teacher would come out at like half five and then be like what are, you, what are you still doing here and i'd be like I don't know. I'm six. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> you tell like, me. Yeah, and like oh, fucking school uniform would always stink. Like, like we'd we'd end up spending most of our time at the pub. Yeah. Um. And and I'm not saying this like a poor me way, but it was just different. Yes. And 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 like the first thing he taught me to do was roll him a cigarette. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I, so I I knew how to roll before I could really read. Wow. Like, so wow. <laughs> but at the same time, he would also teach me ways of you know if I had a bad trip, then yeah. he would he would you know, be really good at like sorting that out. Like there yeah. were times when, when I, there were points in my life when I really did need the skills that he was good at. Yeah. And I know that doesn't sound conventional, but you know, I came back from a party when I was 16 and I smoked too much weed and I was a complete mess. Yeah. And, and he was incredible. He was an, inc he was incredible at getting me out of it. And he, and he yeah. gave me a chocolate and orange juice and he sat me down and he put me in a calm environment. He wasn't angry. None of this, yeah. you know, and then just things like that. Um, you know, if I had ever had any problems, you know, relationships and things, he was he was always there and he was caring. But but like God, he didn't ever like get me to do my homework, and he'd never really be bothered if I didn't go into school. And he yeah. was it was never like kind of interested in whether I was going to be clean or not. You know, and, and wow. you know, and didn't have a bedtime and and things like that. So it was a very strange upbringing. I think that's he part. did not fit into society. No, he was a hippie. He was a he was a drink alcoholic drug addict artist hippie. I was brought up by his models really I mean yeah. I'd go, come home from school and there'd just be a naked woman in the kitchen like just making a cup of tea wow it was the weirdest yeah it was the weirdest like regularly you yeah know, sometimes there's three or four in there wow and they just and and you would have seen him working at Morrison's two days before and that's where he met him he just picked picked them up at Morrison's so you're beautiful can I paint you here's my card and all of a sudden they're naked in the kitchen two days later it was the weirdest 
thing. Wow. I mean, <laughs> no wonder you're creative. Yeah. Because like. It, I'm not sure I enjoyed it, but it was just, just that life. It yeah. That well, it's really interesting. And you really do have a story. Like I say, this is kind of like a storytelling podcast, but we link it to the parts of us that. So <clears throat> I've referenced this probably almost every episode. So those that are following this will, will know this already. There's a therapy called IFS. It's um, based on a very short story, based on parts. So the parts of us that develop because of our experiences. So although we're looking at Billy Lockett, the singer-songwriter, the musician, um, <clears throat> we're also looking at Billy Lockett, who's got all these different parts. So there'll be the inner critic, there'll be the anxious part, there'll be the ADHD part, there'll be the trauma part, there'll be the fun part, there'll be the funny part. There'll be so many different parts of you that exist and they all get blended together, the dark and the light. And sometimes that can be overwhelming for the person because on one hand, there's all this success and all this amazing, uh, you know, life that you lead and these experiences. And on the other hand, there'll be quite a lot of difficult things that you have to navigate day in, day out. And people won't necessarily understand the whole of you because you might only present this part for these friends, this part for this audience, this part. Or maybe you're one of the rare people that just present it all. I actually yeah, think you're I someone that, do, Yeah, actually. I was going to say you are. I know, this is, a, this is a problem I've always had with therapy because I've had about three or four different therapists through my life. And every, every single one of them is like, you probably find it hard to open up. No. And I'm like, no, <laughs> no I do I'm not. an open book. Book. I yeah, tell I everyone everything. I yeah. can't not. Um, but I also sometimes feel a bit like an a, a bit ungrateful, a bit imposter syndrome in a way that like I don't have a bad life and I I don't actually have you know I, I, there's not really anything that difficult. And obviously, you know, you're saying how you, I've got this sort of wild, crazy lifestyle in terms of career wise which, yeah. which I do and it's awesome don't get me wrong it's amazing you, going on a stage and you've got thousands of screaming girls there it's not normal that's not that's no. not a normal job I understand that's mental <laughs> um and it's also awesome yeah it's awesome yeah you know and anyone who says it isn't is lying it's a great feeling I'm not gonna pretend it isn't it's, no. and it's amazing playing my songs to people who are singing about it's brilliant the whole showbiz thing is fun you could hang out with your, all your mates all the time and then when I go home I mean I essentially I don't have to wake up at every you know most of my mates my mates are you know a policeman he's got to get up at you know crazy hours yeah. and do a hard day's work talking yeah. to the worst people on the planet <laughs> you know that's a hard job one yeah. of my mates is a nurse she's she that's a real hard job yes. you know i've not got a hard life at all i've got one of the, I've got one of the easiest lives i could have possibly imagined i feel like sometimes i've fluked life i don't, I don't really have a job <laughs> you know <laughs> I don't really have a job apart from the job everyone calls my job, but that's actually just the more fun bit of my life. <laughs> yeah. So that, and, and sometimes I'm like, maybe that's part of the problem because I don't have that much to moan about or worry about that it gives me time to look for things. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. But at the same time, it's your personality that creates that outlook. Yeah. Because I know. So you I'm my own worst enemy. No, I think you're oh. your own best friend. Oh, okay, yeah, good. Oh, there you go. Okay. <laughs> it's all about perspective. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Glass half empty. Yeah. I think Awful. I think yeah. the way you look at things is to say, I've got the best life ever. Like, yeah, oh, that, that, to to feel that. I've is... only just started realizing that. Yeah, 
I've only only just started feeling it in the last three or four months. Um, But maybe that's only because it's suddenly going well. Well, and that's what I was going to come to because I know we spoke earlier as I I was getting to know you and we were saying actually there has been periods of worry and you mentioned earlier the panic about the tickets. Almost all of it's been worry. I'm, I'm like... You know, anyone who's watching this who wants to be a singer, don't. It's it's really, really, really rubbish hard, for, yeah. for years yeah. and years. Unless you're going to be a Lewis Capaldi or a Birdie, but that just doesn't happen for yeah. most people. It just doesn't. And if you want to make this work and you're not going to be that route, then you're just going to have to deal with nine years of, of stress and worry and constantly thinking, why am I doing this? It's not going to work. How do you get through that? Because the only experience I have of this, which... I, I don't like to reference often because it wasn't the most successful period of my life. Although actually, again, that's how you look at it. I used to sing in the, the local pubs and clubs. Okay. I'm not a great singer. Right. I winged it. Yeah. People paid me. I've got no idea why. Okay. I don't know how I convinced them to do it. That's good that you know, because you'd <laughs> yeah. be surprised how many people yeah. don't. I'm yeah, very yeah. aware. You're too self-aware to be the, to be <laughs> yeah. a singer. Yeah, I'm still deluded. Yeah. Yeah. No, you're not. You're actually really good. I'm not. I'm like the, I'm not, I'm a good karaoke singer at best. Yeah, but you can make a lot of money being good enough. <laughs> yeah, but oh, I yeah. I didn't have the other bit that you need the X factor. I didn't yeah, have that right. either. So it turns out that but people paid me That's still okay for quite some time. Yeah, and I was always shocked. But what I did experience was um, it wasn't Far Cotton. It, it was one of the it, I think it was Far Cotton Conservative Club. Actually, I think there was three people there, and I was singing, and they literally looked like they wanted to murder me. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've experienced. So when you say it's hard, I'm like, yeah, I remember it well. <laughs> there was deathly silence. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. And yeah. the look of murder in people's eyes. Doing a bad gig is, yeah, it sucks. Um, <laughs> it was pretty bad. Yeah. I don't and, know if that, that was me. And or that, just... happened, that will happen for years and years and years, the amount of times I've played in front of nobody. for Probably for the first five or, five or six years of doing it, it, it just wasn't really working and I think I struggled as well because I got I got a tour pretty early on um with Katie Tunstall she yeah she got, kind of gave me my first shot really um and that was crazy I mean I went from playing in front of nobody for years to, to playing in front of thousands of people every night with her and I think from that point I kind of thought oh th- this is how it's going to be from now on and it's sort of it fizzled out basically and 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 I think it and then I had ended up going back down to doing like 50 people again and having to the, build yeah. it back up yeah and then I managed to get another tour with Lana and and then that brought it up to like three or four hundred and then that fizzled out again and then yeah. it's I, so I think the hardest bits of, are the waves I bet you know of, of thinking everything's going to be great and that's it and now I've done I mean Sometimes I think it with this Dean Lewis tour, and I'm re- I'm really confident now that that I've had enough. I guess every time you do something, the low is a little higher yes. than the last. Yeah, if you know that what I mean. makes sense. Yeah. You're, not, you're not going down to the depths. Yeah, of exactly. Despair anymore. Exactly. You're and now hovering. and now my low is high enough. Yeah. That the next high is going to be euphoric. I think. Yeah. Well, all yeah. of the highs now that we get are, are just. A, a massive bonus because the lows are, are good yes the lows are fine yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just, my lows are, are head out, out of water which is good because for the last eight years it just hasn't been like that my mum you know has constantly been saying this this isn't working I think it was only when I I guess as well it's like money 
You just yeah. don't earn any money. You just no. don't earn any money for years and years and years. And so you're spending your own money, which means that your quality of life is terrible. Yes, yeah. And you have to deal with bad managers and uh, and bad gigs. And okay, everyone has a different opinion about what you're supposed to do. And you, oh, you need to find your sound and that your sound should be this. You should wear that. This person's doing well. You should be more like them. You shouldn't be more like them. You know, it's like, I think it's about just, realizing that you need to stop listening to people yeah but you can only do that once you can afford to do that yeah well that's that's the, that's what i was going to ask you because again you said it took ages to like find who you were and i said something along the lines of isn't it a shame that we've always been here but yeah. we've not known who we are because early childhood years mean that we we are, we are abandoned and yeah. then generally we self-abandoned after that and then we, we spend the rest of our lives trying to find ourselves again. And in yeah. your profession, that's probably harder because you have got all these people tell, telling you, be like this, don't be like that, do that, don't do that. So how are you supposed to find the authenticity within that when, when you're not given the space to do so? And then when you do try yeah. something and it, it, you know you drown again after a big wave of success, I suppose there's the, can I even trust myself? Should I stop? There is no money in this. You know, it's that whole... Yeah. cycle of thinking well i guess that's a di you know the money thing is i guess different to 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 working out who who you are and then uh, you know the, obviously the money thing allows you to kind of like so it takes a bit of the stress off and when you haven't got the stress then you don't have to force yourself to find who you are yeah and you can just be and that helps and i also think that a lot of artists make a mistake of trying to work out who they are who they are as an artist without realizing that who they are as an artist is actually the same thing as who they are. And <laughs> yeah. if it isn't, then everyone's going to sniff that out in a second. Yeah. And then not gonna, unless you're kind of going for this kind of Lana Del Rey, like sort of whole mysterious, mysterious, like mythical world that she creates, yeah. which don't get me wrong. I'm sure she can't always be Lana Del Rey when she's sitting in her pajamas. She's not going to be like, <laughs> like sort of floating over to the remote. Do you know what I mean? But, but at the same time, for me personally, I, I'm not that, you know, I, my songs are about real things that I've experienced or, or that or they're about stories that 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 I that have happened to me or someone close to me. So everything has to be real, you know. It's yeah. it's a, it's, I don't want. I'd never compare myself to Dylan because he's the best, but he's the only. He's the the roots of that way of thinking. Yes. Of the, my music is me. I am my music, and, and and there's no gimmick. Yeah. You know, yeah. and and I think that when I personally have chosen to be that type of artist because I find it easier. Yeah, I, I just think that when I have to come up with a, a world and fake it, it's don't get me wrong, it's probably more artistic, way <laughs> more artistic, and maybe more fun because you can have almost this like alias, this thing that you, yeah. you know. And, and I think the weekend's really good at doing that, and Beyonce and all these people, they they have their world, and it's definitely not who they really are, essentially, intentionally. Yeah. Um, but for me, I I know that I don't do anything good unless it's 100% real but there you go with your, your members club they love that I mean yeah. they don't just like your music they literally love yeah. it and there's the magic because you're creating love and I know that sounds cheeseballish yeah but, but it is and it, there's something really cool about that like that that is one great thing about my job is it's like you just you you're basically making something from nothing like you know when you when you record a song when you write a song you're basically 
you're not using any materials apart from your brain and you're putting it onto a record you're recording that now that's a thing that your great 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 grandkids can can listen to and and feel and it's like that's literally magic that is magic that's that's crazy yeah and and that's really cool and i guess my my dad uh sort of does the same thing but i guess you're still using materials whereas i think the beauty of music is that it literally comes from just nothing yeah i love that (laughs) i love that and then you make it a thing it's and that's cool. why I think you're really starting to <laughs> that's why I think you're really starting to love life because you're seeing that all that magic yeah is is in front of you these people are singing to every single song they know the words you don't even have to sing them anymore yeah I know yeah. you do but you don't have to because what you've created is now in their hearts and coming out of their bodies and I guess it is a world in a way to them because it's not their world it is yeah. essentially my world um but at the same time, I don't even think it really like matters about that. I'm, essentially, I'm just music is kind of entertainment, really. Yes. Um, but the beauty of it is that it helps people, and it, and it really helps my fans. A, a lot of a lot of regularly people will say how a song has helped them through a hard time, whatever yeah. it is. And the hard time, time can be anything from, you know, suffering with cancer to losing a parent to, to even a breakup to even, you know, literally my friend fell out with me. It doesn't, it yeah. doesn't have to be, but, but whatever. It's really cool that, that something I'm doing and I'm not, I hate the idea of sounding like some kind of hero because I'm really not, <laughs> I'm really not. But it's not, it's kind of cool that something I do can help people. It's as, so cool. Yeah, that, that's great. As well as making money and, getting, and <laughs> me, meaning I don't have to have a real job. So. <laughs> yeah, the but it's also got fulfillment in it as yeah. well. It's literally the best job in the world. I'm very, very, very lucky. I have nothing to moan about ever, even though I seem to. I mean, my whole career is based on moaning. My songs are just moaning. <laughs> oh, God, I love this. But so, happy songs are so boring, aren't they? I'm worried, actually, because my life is pretty good at the moment. I'm thinking, oh, God, I need to, something to happen. Someone needs to die soon. But not someone that's close to me. Someone like I'll, far I'll enough. <laughs> far enough that I care, but not not close enough that I can, I'm too sad to I write. I don't think I fit either <laughs> of those categories. <laughs> I love how you're offended about the fact that I don't want you to die. <laughs> I'm not important enough to die. <laughs> how dare you? Yeah. That's hilarious. But actually, you're right, because I think a lot of your music is about the story and there's a lot of depth in that music, isn't there? Because you have, well, talking about your dad, he did, you know, he's no longer here, is he? Yeah, no. So how long ago was that now? That was uh we were working out the other day actually uh nine years coming almost 10 years right so i mean you're 32 so you were very young when you lost your dad yeah a weird age very a weird, weird age. age to lose him um yeah it was <sighs> it was a wild trip i mean it still is really um because we didn't really get on that well in fact we were we clashed badly um he he was a he was a good friend but a terrible parent and as i got older we i started to sort of resent him for that 
um and I, and I I definitely felt like I was the parent most yeah. of the time. Well you were. Yeah, you? I was always looking after him yeah. psychologically and I mean even if he wasn't ill I was still looking after him. He was yeah. an idiot bless him. <laughs> I mean, he was just an eccentric crazy artist but he never had to 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 learn how to to do anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. He just he just painted paintings and and made money from it and he just didn't really know about anything else. He just survived. <laughs> yeah, he just got, yeah. And he was, I guess as well, he was just so, he had such a bad way of thinking about things and, and such, like, you know, he was addicted to everything. Yeah. Um, and just d- didn't have any time for. What was his history? Because it sounds like a lot of what he did was escapism and self-soothing. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, what was, was there a history for what created that in him? I mean, I guess it's it just be, being brought up in a world where, I mean, this is why I'm terrified that I'm going to turn into him, but just being brought up in a situation where he had this talent that basically gave him a get out of jail free card to yeah. not have to do a normal job and, and not have to have really many struggles that, that most people have. And I think struggles are good because they, they round you and they create you and, and, yeah. and they can, they can turn you into a better person. Yeah. Um, and but you have had some of that. I, I luckily my career's been tough. Yeah. And 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 it's had to force me to be to be a a, a good person. I I've done loads of work on myself, like t- tons. Like I spent the last 3 or 4 years constantly thinking about myself but not in like an arrogant way but more of just like okay what why have I got so many issues and why am I why have I lost so many good people from being such a dick and handling things such a bad way and I've had I had very deep down bad morals I didn't believe in karma I used to I just used to treat everyone like shit basically and and I've lost some really good mates from being like that and I've lost some really good people um and I don't think, and I think my career has probably been damaged from it. And I've been partly why I was addicted to drugs and drink for so long. And, um, but in a way it's been great because it's forced me to, to try and be better. To be self-reflective. Yeah. And although I'm not trying to put you into this category by any stretch of the imagination, you did use, um, cocaine and alcohol for a while. And we look at step four in the 12 steps. Um, and that is about self-reflection and Mm. everything that you've just said there is about why am I repeating this behavior? What am I trying to achieve? What's my responsibility in this? And you are going to be fine because you've done that bit. Mm. It's when people do not do the self-reflection mm. and they don't try and work out where they went wrong and what's yeah, their responsibility. I mean, totally. And and I don't even think it, sometimes it's, it's even irrelevant to drugs. I think a lot of people don't... Um, they don't do it at all. They're just not self-aware. And, and I guess my my biggest fear is, is leaving a room and everyone going, oh, Oh God, that's not going to happen, mean? Billy. I can tell you, know, you now. <laughs> You're going to leave a room, and I'm going to be chasing up down the street. Please don't leave. <laughs> don't go, Ella. I don't care. <laughs> but you know what I mean. Well, that's amazing. That, thank you. That's great to hear because for a long time, from for most of my twenties, what that wasn't the case. I was that guy that would be a nightmare and have no idea, um, and just just warped opinion of myself I think as well when when you're in a situation like me where, you, where you've been given 
this I've been put in a situation where I have a talent and where everyone says it's a talent. I think it's a party trick that's got, got me a shortcut in life, but I somehow seem to be good at something or no, I somehow seem to find something very easy that everyone else seems to find really hard. Yes. And so I'm always praised for it. uh, And when you're praised constantly for something that requires little effort it can be really dangerous yeah i bet especially to a 20 year old who's just lost his dad and loves coke yeah so it's just like <laughs> yeah. it's a red rag yeah. to a ball really yeah and so a, a lot of things it takes you know meeting a good girl that's a good girlfriend that's gonna like say hey you know those things that you do they're not good and the other <laughs> things are so do more of those things so don't do that i think that helps having good friends around i think having a bit of failure being dropped by a label being dropped by managers is really really educational brilliant makes you realize you're not invincible yes. and you're not as good as you thought you were um and uh but at the same and it was mushrooms as well has been brilliant yeah, for it yeah um but it, it just constantly not constantly but just trying to um tap in to how you can better yourself all yeah. the time i'm always yeah. like how can i did i leave the best impression on that on that person or and also it's it's good for everything because it's it makes you feel better about yourself it's good for business people want to work with you more which makes you more financially better off you know life's easier people are nicer to you get invited to more things you smile more and it's just a domino effect of good shit it really is you've got to go through the dark patches i always say that you have to go through those tough times you have to look at yourself you have to stare at yourself in the mirror and go Oh God! Yeah. Oh God! I've done that so many times. Yeah, you have and to I do just, that. I've I've lost. There's a couple of people in my life that I've lost from being such a twat for such a long time, and and just run out of chances with them. And in a way, I'm like really glad that they're still gone because it's the best lesson and, and the best thing that keeps me. It's the grounding. Yeah, it keeps me from like making sure i never go back to that yeah because i know that there are some things that you just have to deal with never getting back it's i always say those moments especially if it's something you regret it's probably the greatest gift yeah yeah totally yeah it it will remind you of look i don't want to ever experience that again because it hurts yeah man yeah and it's where that that pain really does turn into some sort of power that you can really something good yeah Yeah. i guess you can turn anything into a into a positive can't you You can always look at and i guess with my career there's been a lot of failures you know i've been dropped twice i've three different managers and three different booking agents things haven't really uh been smooth no you know, at all um but it's it's made it's it's made me learn how to become a producer so now i can produce well, which made, is a really important yeah thing. it's great it means i can make my own records um it's it's meant i've got way better at my instrument i've got way better at playing live i feel like I've, i feel like if i'd made it any earlier I just wouldn't be this good. I feel really proud of how 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 much how good I am at this, and I don't mean to say that in like an arrogant way, but I feel like I'm a master at what I do now, which is so good to be able to say. Isn't yeah, it? I feel. I feel. Yes, exactly. I don't yeah. feel. I don't have imposter syndrome yes. at, at all. At yeah. all. Yeah. Um, because and, you've dedicated the last yeah. ten years to mastering all of it. Because uh, because I've got it wrong so many times, yeah. you know, and, I, and I've and I've messed up. So that it, it hasn't come naturally to me. I think that's why it must be so hard for someone like Lewis because he's naturally 
just brilliant. I mean, I remember saying this to him. I remember walking into the um, into the sound check on the first show in Bournemouth, and this was at a point when Lewis was not big like no one yeah. had heard of him yeah i mean a few people had but he was we were doing like seven eight hundred cap rooms yeah and they weren't like bournemouth wasn't even sold out you know we had to wow. close off the balcony because it because it wasn't we weren't sold enough tickets um and i remember standing there and just listening to his voice and just being like just take just taken away like it was one of the most insane things i've ever heard in my life like, it was yeah. crazy it was just blew my mind yeah it was like you know when you first hear elvis or something yes. you know what i mean it was like this guy is gonna be so massive <laughs> yeah. you know and i remember going outside and calling kirsten being like this kid because i'd already been going for like six seven years by this point you know i i, I was you'd done all the, yeah, all the hard graph yeah i had been going for a long time you yeah. know and lewis was was relatively new on the scene you know yeah. i'd already put probably about 30 40 songs out by the time he would put out his first wow um and and he'd he'd known me for a long time, so I think he was I think he was quite excited that I was even supporting him, which was ridiculous. <laughs> um, but the guy was just owning it, and and I could instantly see why. Just naturally brilliant. Yeah, he didn't need it. He wasn't going to make any mistakes because it's just impossible when you're that good. Yeah. Whereas I had to get good. Yeah. I, I was quite good. I was good enough to maybe make it. But that meant I had to really put the work in to make yeah. it happen. Yeah. Whereas with Lewis, it was a given. It was always going to happen. It was yeah. al it was always going to happen. Yeah. And and I suppose, like you said earlier off camera, that because he got with his first hit, what was it, 100 million streams? Yeah, in like a couple of weeks. It, yeah. He was catapulted in a way that I don't think anybody ever copes well with. No. Well, it was great. It was a great song and it was a great voice and it was just, it, it was he just got it right he just yeah. kept getting it right and he's very much like you actually his personality i think he's really humble and really grounded and funny and yeah. people just like him as well that's very rare to be <laughs> catapulted like that and be liked yeah i know i know it's because I, do you know what's really interesting everyone everyone always like praises for me for not being an asshole they're like, <laughs> yeah oh that's so great that you're like you, you're like you can sing and you're not an asshole and it's like why is that like you know why is that a shock <laughs> <laughs> do you know what i mean like every other job it's like you know a plumber comes over and it's like oh it's you know it's brilliant that you fixed the toilet but you're also nice good work you're such a, he's like no it's a given if you're not nice i'm not calling you back to do another job do you know what i mean like that's what why is it that an artist is almost supposed to be a dick <laughs> maybe why because there's a lot that are i know and it, what I just don't understand why that should be a boast that you're not. <laughs> I know. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Shouldn't that be a fundamental? Billy Lockett, and he's nice. <laughs> and he's nice as well. <laughs> he's not even really a twat. And I guess, then again, to be honest, though, I was a twat. So, I, <laughs> so maybe I was just living up to the to the name. You were getting it out of the way. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You were just getting that bit done. <laughs> to be honest, though, there is something about that. There is a bit of that whole, like, I always had this idea in my head of like, I want to be a rock star because I want to experience the life of like yes. being a rock star. Yeah. And then when, it, when we did start doing it after the ELO tour, we, we did a headline tour and the ELO tour was arenas around the whole of Europe. So wow. It, so it was like, you know, the first show was like 40,000 people in Sweden. And, and then wow. it was every day was, was 40,000 people, 40,000 people. Every, you know, I think we did one show where it was like 20,000 in Ireland. And, and I remember thinking, <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? A mere twenty. I know. 000. I was like, wait a minute. What the fuck am I doing? This is mental. Um, I woke up for this. Yeah. yeah. 
and then and then we did a headline tour after that and that was you know it was it was it felt massive it was only like a thousand people but it, but it was my shows and They're, we were doing yeah. everywhere we we're doing like amsterdam and you know seven sold out shows in germany and all these crazy stuff paris and all this mad stuff and i it really i felt like i was like i'm a fucking rocks <laughs> so, i mean i'd be i'd be walking differently you know what i mean yeah. I'd, be, I'd be smoking I'd be like wearing sunglasses inside being a twat you know what i mean <laughs> just, just a dickhead and and there was a part of me where i just wanted to just do it for a yeah, bit. Yeah, why not? I just wanted to do it. Yeah. Are uh, you glad you did? I am, but I lost loads of friends and I lost a lot of pe- good people. And my manager and, manager and label dropped me, and I turned to drinks and drugs. So, uh, so it didn't turn out well. It didn't turn out but well. But here we are, though. So if you'd not had that bit, <laughs> it's it's that whole. Thing it was of, so much fun, though. Yeah. You know, and I don't regret it. It was loads of fun. I do regret that some of the people I've lost, but that's the only bit. You, you know, you've come back to that quite a lot. So I feel like there's that little bit that is still there for you. Oh yeah, I know. I miss it. I miss, there's, there's. I love people, and and if good people are in your life, and then you let them go, that's that's a huge. Do you think you'll mistake. ever reach out to them? I can't really. I can't because I feel like it would offend them. Even now. Even now. How yeah. long ago was all of that? <laughs> Four years ago, I think four or five years ago, was when it when it all went a bit wrong, and and even with my manager at the time, you know, it was a woman called Helena, and she she was such a good manager, she was so great, but I just put her through hell, you know. I just she was always so stressed, and I and I could have been an an easier artist, but I just played up to being the the difficult rock star, and you know things like that, and, and eventually just she just couldn't. It just she just couldn't do it anymore. And now with my new manager, I just spend my whole time just trying to make sure I'm always checking and being the nicest guy I possibly can. And like, is everything all good? Um, and we have a good working relationship, and everything seems nice. So, so in a way, all of these things have have worked out in the end. Because can it I makes say something better. though? Because yeah. I'm just listening to you, and I'm thinking, uh, I don't want to like play the violins here, but I just want to go back because like. Although you might feel some level of regret for those experiences with those people, you didn't have the conventional upbringing. I'm not saying it was unhappy, but you did have to go through quite a lot of neglect by the sound of it. Oh, yeah, it was a disaster, yes. Neurodiversity. (laughs) Yeah. Then you lost your dad at like 20. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, did he have cancer? Yeah. Yeah, so you... And it's an interesting thing with that, actually, as well, that he didn't actually take any uh, treatment. Right. Intentionally. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah, we had a conversation about it. So what was that conversation so then? He, so he basically had, um, so my dad had prostate cancer. Right. And the treatment for it at the time, I don't know whether it's different now, but at the time it was estrogen, um, was one of the treatments. Right. And estrogen kills your sex drive. Yes. And my dad was an artist who painted beautiful women. Yeah. And so his whole career and his life was based on his sex drive. It was, it ran it. Right. Um, it was his life drive, really. Yeah. Um, and so he said to me once we sat down on the kitchen table and, and he was like, you know, I don't really want to live if I can't be me. And if I can't paint and if I can't do what I, what I love, which is women and painting, then I, uh, and living and smoking and drinking and all this, then I don't want to live. So I'd rather just go, I'd rather let it just take me as I am. And uh, How old was he, Billy? 
he was 63, 64. So he wasn't yeah, either. He wasn't that old. No. Um, and it made sense, to be honest. And, and I, I, I got it. Yeah. I actually got it. And we, and we made an agreement to kind of be like, okay, well, don't take any treatment then. So he stopped going to hospital and he stopped doing anything. And we just had two years where you wouldn't even know he had it. He just parted and lived. And then all of a sudden he felt a bit ill, went into hospital. And it was, you know, within a month gone. It was wow. crazy how quick it just suddenly went. So you've... He also had big long hair as well. He didn't want the chemo because it was... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah, that was his identity. His image and everything. Yeah. yeah. So, so cancer just did not fit with him. No. <laughs> and he made a decision about his own life, which yeah, most yeah, people yeah. don't get to do or they're too scared to do. Oh, yeah. It was totally planned. That's why it made it a little easier to, to deal with because we both knew it was coming. We'd almost prepared it, you know. But that's really powerful, that part of the story, because at 18 then... You're not even 20 by that yeah, point. Yeah, you're yeah. having really, I mean, your your adult conversations with your dad start at eight when he's doing business deals with you over yeah. the you know kitchen table or whatever. And then by 18, you're making this big decision together. Yeah, by big 20. conversations. Big, yeah, big I mean, conversations. Trust me, I've worked with a lot of young people. They are big conversations. Yeah. And I don't want to dismiss young people because a lot of them are very switched on and very clever and very emotionally intelligent. And that, you know, I'm not taking that away from them, but it, you're, you're, your brain hasn't fully developed at 18 years old. Yeah. You're still developing. So you're taking on a lot. I still don't think I've even uh, dealt with it yet. No, I doubt. I doubt you, know, you have. I haven't even, uh, this is the weirdest thing. I feel so awful saying this, but I haven't even really been that sad about any of it. It feels like we've just gone through the motions because yeah. it was so calculated Yes, that when he did die, it was like, okay, so we, we're at this stage now that we both talked about being at. Okay, so now he's gone. So now I need to do these, this, this, and this. Yes. And then, and obviously my dad, you know, wasn't, uh, he was terrible with money. He was in hundreds of thousands of pounds of debt. Um, j just uh, a bit of a disaster, basically. So he left me with a lot of, mess to tidy up wow. um and because he was we was we didn't get on and we had such a difficult time it, it without it sounding uh like heartless it was a slight relief yeah and i'm really glad you've said that because a lot of people listening that have had a similar experience where they haven't felt what they're supposed to feel. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and, and I was like, God, I'm a bit of a monster for this. No, but I'm no. Quite, it's really important oh, that you've said that. Yeah. That 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 is so because I hear this in, in clinic all day, every day. Yeah. Not all day, every day. That's a massive exaggeration, but you know what I mean. It's, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very common for people to say, I don't think I'm grieving the way I'm supposed to grieve. Yeah. I'm not feeling what other people are saying that I should feel. Yeah. And, um, you know, some people feel guilty about that and that can be a burden that they carry for a really long time. Yeah, I mean, sometimes I feel guilty in the respect of like, oh, should I feel bad? Yeah. But at the same time, I I definitely know why I don't yes. feel that that bad. And I'm, don't get me wrong, it's not, it's not I don't feel bad. It's, it's more that like my life got considerably better when he died. Yeah, yeah. Because I could get on with it firstly yeah. and I could move on and try and work out how to how to do do my own be me and yes. do do me basically yeah. because I was always 
having to because at the end when he was getting really ill it was sort of I was kind of becoming his carer yeah. and he was sort of resenting the fact that my life was starting to pick up I was I, I think I'd just got the Katie Tunstall tour when he was sort of about to die right. um and so he was sort of finding it very he sort of competed against me yeah in a way because we were mates rather than parents and son it was never like i'm proud of you it was more you think you're so special for being for making it his his kind of his day was over mm. um and i get it don't get me wrong like if i had a son and he, i ended up having cancer and losing my wife and losing everything and then they all of a sudden they were becoming a star and i'm i'm about to die that would suck it pretty much would suck. <laughs> it would suck. Yeah. I get it. But at the same time, it it's a shame that he hadn't got the emotional intelligence to be proud rather yes. than attacked. Yeah. You know? <laughs> it's funny you say that because earlier on when you were talking about your dad, I was thinking he wasn't good at the practical stuff, but when you needed him, like when you were really bad, he was good at the emotional stuff. But in mm -hmm. the end, he wasn't good at the emotional stuff because he got a bit jealous. Yeah, I think as well for him, it was, it was very much... Yeah, he would always sort of take the credit. He was, he was, he was the, he was the one that pushed me into doing music. Yeah, don't get me wrong, he really was. He was the reason I am a musician. Yes, you get that, Dad. You get the credit <laughs> for that. But God, he would not let me forget it. Yeah, and he wouldn't let anyone forget it. And any time, any, and when it started, because you know we got record of the week on Radio One with my first single, so it was kind of a similar thing with Lewis, but not as not as huge yes. as that. But the first single I put out called Balance, I really didn't think it was very good, if I'm honest, even at the time. But Fern Cotton just liked it and, mm. and just played it on Radio 1 all week. And it was at a time when Radio 1 was kind of the TikTok yes. of the time. Yes. And it just it just exploded my career, really. And it gave us a sold-out tour pretty early on, right at the beginning. I mean, it fizzled out the year after. But, but still, it, it sort of... It was an instant kind of to my dad. He was in one side. He was going. I always knew. It. I always knew this would happen. But on the other hand, he's like, "Well, that's not really very fair." Yeah. Like, this is his first song. How dare he just suddenly be like, yeah. making it all of a sudden? And it's like, yeah, but this was kind of what we wanted, wasn't it? Yeah. So now you're confused. Like, <laughs> yeah, very you confusing. Yeah. You know, and also I was living in his house. He would sort of say, always loom the whole. You're not paying rent. You're not paying rent. Um, and so when I offered to pay rent, he wouldn't want it because then he couldn't use it at, on me, you know, yes. and then it was all these psychological things. And then if I went on tour and made a bit of money, he would then suddenly demand half of it because of all the rent I hadn't paid, you know, so there's never any, there was never any logic. He never taught me any kind of like logical ways of thinking and what fair was. Yes. It was more heat of the moment. This is how I feel. And that's what you're going to do because I'm your dad. Right. But luckily my mum has been as stable as a rock from the beginning and she's just the most incredible woman on the planet and still is the my business partner and life coach and everything so thank god for her <laughs> <laughs> and it gave me someone to both someone else who also knows him as well as i do to go what the fuck <laughs> how how did you do this for so long <laughs> My mom's like, I know, I know, I'm sorry. But he was nice. He was. He was nice. I think he probably had so much, but the yeah. the career thing would have just I think it's the career you mix sort of a career not working out with alcohol and drugs and, and the woman you love leaving you 
is it's not it ruins yeah it, it yeah. does it does he's a broken man but i think end. i think you're right he was he, that that's mental health issues all over it isn't it but yeah. again people didn't speak about it then no there yeah. was, certainly wasn't these sorts of things you could listen to and go oh, yeah i feel a bit like that you know that wasn't nothing. available there was nothing i mean no my dad would have found it insane i mean even depression wasn't really no it wasn't you know it wasn't i mean if you were depressed you not were, from a man anyway no no, no man is getting depression. no no you're yeah. right so it was a whole different time yeah things have moved on massively but the, the reason we were talking about that and that whole thing is because despite you saying i've got a lovely life i know there's been elements of your life that have actually been really really tough and then you go through this period yourself where you're drinking you're taking lots of cocaine partying or whatever and you're going oh i was a dick but actually i think you were dealing with trauma if i'm being honest oh totally but that's a different i mean obviously it's the same thing but you can still be a dick yes of course <laughs> that's just the uh that's that's the cause yeah yeah but the reaction is still me being a dick <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean if we're gonna keep it real okay like I'll if someone's being a dick to me i'm not gonna go well i forgive you because the cause is trauma <laughs> 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 but surely after all those years your friends might go do you know what reflectively you was dealing with a lot of shit oh totally totally i don't think yeah it's just more that like sometimes i guess you, you just no one can be bothered anymore yeah to to even the moment's gone yeah the moment's gone and I, and i think that's the real pain it's like when you when you just go too far and then you're like oh, okay so you just go accept it and it's fine that don't get me wrong it, the people I've lost if I was to show them who I am now I'm sure that they'd have a different opinion um I'm sure they would because I've spent the last four years making that happen but um but it what I, I haven't tried to get better for that no you know I've if anything I've used that as a, as a, a good um a good push yeah in the right know? direction yeah and it's not I, I owe them a lot I, there's a there's a few people that i really owe a lot to for for sh for showing me that you can't get away with it yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a good way of <laughs> yeah because you're not gonna have them anymore yeah. and that's that's a huge punishment and but it's also a great lesson and whatever happened whoever you were then i mean from what i've seen and what you give and and in terms of your personality the authenticity and all of that i mean you are a phenomenal human. There's not many like you. <laughs> Make me blush. Uh, don't, but don't say too much of that because I might turn into a dick again. That's where it all start, stemmed from. Everyone telling me how great. But then again, the, the thing is, it's, it is also, to cut me some more slack in a way, having a life where every day thousands of people tell you how amazing you yeah. are all the time. I mean, even now on my phone every day. And this isn't a boast. This is just sort of explained in context of what we're talking about. Every day, I'll probably get about three or 400 different messages from different people telling me how, how yeah. amazing I am and how much I've helped their life. And if you don't have the right skills from an early age to be able to deal with that, then it's going to turn you into a bit of a... Of course it will. Of course know, it, it is. will. And it's not normal. No one, no one has that. I mean, no one has a situation like like that and and the weird thing as well is like if you're a sportsman they're not telling you how amazing they are they're saying how well you did in that whereas with music it almost like goes they're going right to who you are as a person and going the the way you think and what you the words you speak have, have like changed my life and it's like 
going to help. That's huge. Yes, that is a burden. <laughs> That's a burden. No, I always say, because I know a few people that are well-known and have got that level of fame where it, it could either be reality TV or sportsmen or whatever, yeah. where they're well-known and, and they're looked at and, and viewed a certain way. And I tell you now, I would hate to be famous. I would yeah. absolutely hate it. I would hate people to make a judgment on me good or bad yeah because that's a burden either way to carry mm -hmm. and to separate yourself from that when it's constantly in your face every day well, I, I just... guess they're also looking for they're looking for you to be a dick as well yeah. i think because that's a lot more of a sexy story really yeah. oh, i met billy rocket and he was a bit of a cunt it's way more interesting yeah. i met billy rocket and he was fine <laughs> he was all right yeah i'll give it uh, to how you how boring <laughs> is that what <laughs> Did he not like say anything inappropriate? Did he not grope a girl at least or something? Um, so, so obviously that's more in, that's more interesting, and and I definitely feel that that is almost even more of a push for me to try and be the best person I can be. Yes, and obviously I have a few lapses where I get a bit too hammered or they all slip, but overall I'm trying really hard to just just. Try, try not to make any enemies just, <laughs> yeah. just eat well go to the gym look after yourself don't be a dick just don't be a dick don't be a dick that's literally in my head constantly don't be a dick don't be a dick don't be a dick <laughs> and you're not it's important though isn't it it's, uh, and i think with the with the fame thing especially in northampton you know we're in a small town so obviously it is a it's a nice feeling that, yeah. that people recognize me and uh, and you know, I guess the the fame thing feels more intense here because I'm from here. Yeah. And again, actually saying that it's starting to be the same everywhere. I was going to say but... I've noticed that everywhere people are just your massive fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, in the UK, definitely now it's starting to happen everywhere. But and Europe, Europe, not so much so because I haven't toured there since Brexit, just because right. I can't. So right. Europe's gone quiet recently. Um, but. In the UK, I, I, I found that people at the beginning were kind of, I, I, I tend to get a lot of, you know what, I thought you were going to be a dick, but you're actually all right. And that's kind of like, okay, good. That's nice. It's a backhanded yeah. compliment. But, but I guess at least there's, that's a start, isn't it? I think people are almost let down by the fact that I'm not like an asshole. It's <laughs> <laughs> you know I mean? they want me to There's be. no juice. <laughs> yeah. He's just a really good guy. I know, and I'm almost, I'm almost like sort of thriving on that now. I'm trying to be as dull as I can. <laughs> so, I mean, as boring <laughs> as I can. I'm really into this new book, actually, that I've just read. And it's a murder mystery. Um, don't know if it's real. You know what I mean? They're kind of just sitting there like, what? and then they know that I've just done Manchester Apollo the night before. Is that right? and I'm just kind of, and they're like, what's new? And he's like, my dog's got a cold. And, uh, and I'm slightly worried, but I'm not going to panic yet because Google said four days is when you take him to the vet. And then they're just sitting there like, why is this guy so fucking boring? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I must admit that the whole dog with the cold story, I was interested, by the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I didn't find that boring, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> but why do we always have to be so fucking interesting all the time? That's another thing I don't understand. Like, just because I can sing doesn't mean I've got to be like, I don't know, like... <sighs> 
eccentric and no, that's and true. deep. I mean, don't get me wrong, I like being deep, but but more like just real. Why is it so strange? It's like, oh, that's so cool that you just like you just eat lunch, like you just have a sandwich for lunch. That's so cool <laughs> that you just sat in this cafe in Northampton and just had like it's so cool. <laughs> It's like, what? But you're here as well. Are you really cool as well then? Or what? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? That's what I mean. It just must mess with your head. That the normal stuff that you it do did. suddenly. You know becomes... what? It used to mess with my head. And now I'm just, and me and Kirsten always talk about this. We're like, now we just have to assume that everyone's just a bit weird and it's fine. <laughs> and as long as That's you just. That's the biggest truth of yeah. all time. If everyone recognizes, because this one guy I met a few days ago at this, like, uh, this event, he was like, look at, like, he was like, you're right. You're, you're him, aren't you? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like, and he was just like, look, you know, when someone's looking at you, but you're not looking at your eyes, they're like looking at your face and stuff. Like you can tell that they're looking at your nose and your cheeks and your, and then there's something about it. And you, you kind of feel like you're being like watched, yes. but you're in a conversation with a person that you, that's watching you, which is weird. Cause normally you're comfortable with being what, looked at, yeah. but, it's, but it's almost like they're like looking at, at like a, a thing. <laughs> rather than a person, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and then if you kind of go, oh, that's weird, then it's a problem. But, but nowadays I'm just like, okay, that's that's another person I'm not going to be able to be friends with. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> You're just explaining Northampton people now. Yeah. You do know that. But it makes you much closer to your actual friends as well. It has, yeah. it has a lot of upsides because my Friends that knew me before all of this weird shit are now like <laughs> super close. Yes. And then some of the friends that w that are sort of f falling away with it a bit and being more into the sort of hyped up by it all, you kind of start to think, oh, okay, well, maybe, maybe, yeah, they weren't as good friends as we yes. thought in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Um, but even then you can just go, hey, you're doing that thing, snap out of it. Remember, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm nobody, just snap out of this. <laughs> Because it's so stupid. Isn't it? I, mean, I mean, maybe it isn't, but to me, it's stupid because I just don't see why one skill should be put on a pedestal to another. That's always I don't I don't know how to do any building work. I think that's insane. I think it's incredible how someone can bloody useful. Yeah, I mean, I just I was trying to DIY my house. So I got a new place a year ago. We just moved into, and it was a real doer up. Yeah. And so I thought, okay, I'm going to throw myself into this. I'm going to learn how to do this. I'm going to learn a new skill, bought all the tools and shit from uh, B&Q and all that. And I'm just so bad at it I all. know. It's and really, really difficult. It's so hard. <laughs> and I really tried. I really tried, you know, and I'm just terrible at it. Some, some people just can't do things. No, you're right. Your yeah. brain just won't let you do that for whatever yeah. reason. Like my brain does not let me do numbers. No, exactly. I cannot do numbers. End yeah. of story. So are you dyslexic or are you just not good Discalcular. at? Discalcular. Was that what, just shit and maths? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we've got a word for everything now, haven't we? Um, <laughs> just, just a bit thick when it comes to numbers. <laughs> yeah. That's me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I always used to say that to my accountants. I'm really sorry. I'm really thick. They go, no. You're not thick. <laughs> They'd feel sorry for me then. Yeah. No, no, when it comes to numbers, I am really but thick. But the thing is, do you, do, you tr do you try? Yeah, but my brain just literally goes, no. Really? It, like, is it not interested in it? It, it, it literally it gets angry. Yeah. M my amygdala response to numbers is like you And I guess you know what's happening in your brain. Yeah, it just you? goes, no. I, I, and I literally, I literally start to go. Is there anything else that that, it, that, that happens with? Following instructions. 
anything uh, that's supposed to be logical and practical, my brain just goes, nope, it won't do it. It, it can I cannot do logic instructions. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah. Because isn't, in a way, psychotherapy a, a logical way of thinking? You would think so. Oh, right. <laughs> it turns out, <laughs> not for me. <laughs> and I guess everyone's different, aren't they? Yeah. So in a way, it thrives itself on being illogical. I think the way that I can join the dots, so the way that I would look at therapies it's it's about joining the dots and understanding the different parts so I suppose there is logic to that but that's attached to emotion and behavior and all the things that I find really interesting and they're variables to logic aren't yes. they whereas I guess there's no variable to maths yeah there's no variable to maths and, and if you've got to build a, a wardrobe that, that's yeah, yeah, it there's yeah, only yeah, yeah, one yeah. way to do it you yes. can't you can't play with the theory you can't yeah. come up with a new I'm theory questioning everything yeah 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. That's really interesting. Well, yeah. So, so I'm terrible at that. Ter- terrible at building. Terrible at, uh, at maths. And, so we yeah. love the builders because they yeah. literally give us joy. But the crazy thing I find is that, like, I, yeah, I'm. I sort of treat like my builder. I treat. I'm a fanboy. You know what I mean, he comes <laughs> yeah. over. I'm like, Whoa. do you look at his nose and his cheeks? Yeah. <laughs> when you talk to him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah but the thing is i don't and that's the strange thing isn't yeah. it it's like why don't i why don't people do that with yeah why do they do that with with like musicians and um and like i guess actors anything creative is seen as this like magical sk- skill as if it's so much harder than everything else but i guess it's a, what i struggle to understand is why we have this hierarchy of what's important yes. as a skill yeah because yeah. surely any skill that you can't do should be incredible. Yes. Yeah. You know? I agree. And I think I think there's a couple of things with that. I think people – this is just my my theory. If, if you are on a pedestal and you're giving me time, then I'm now special too. So society puts you on a pedestal. Because if you think of the greats, be it yeah, yeah, yeah. music or otherwise um, – I guess just talking to them is you giving them time, yeah. isn't it? So now – now I'm special yeah. because I've I've had that space with you. So, you know, yeah. for people that probably look for ways to feel special and have something to talk about in the pub with their friends, suddenly I'm 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 special because I've sat with Billy Lockett and we've spoke about you yeah, know it's weird yeah I find the whole thing really strange. But I also I don't really like uh, I know it sounds strange and i think a lot of my old a lot of my friends would probably disagree with this but i don't really like being center of attention no i get that i understand <laughs> that i can imagine that actually unless i'm on stage don't get me wrong if i'm on stage i like it because i know i'm really good at what i yes. do so i'm like i'm at the piano i know i can nail this so i'm fine with being a center of attention yes but when it comes to like i think going into restaurants and everyone turning and looking at you oh awful is not i mean i'm assuming you probably have the same it. thing in northampton that's kind of weird, and um, I don't have it on, on the same level as you. I mean, I don't, I don't even think people know who I am. I just hate people looking at me. <laughs> I'm not trying to be like I'm a big deal here, guys. <laughs> it's just I don't like being looked at. Full stop. She's, she's trying to get in their heads, man. <laughs> it's not because they know who I am. It's just if they look at me, I'm like, "What are you looking at?" <laughs> yeah. Just to, just to confirm. Kirsten has an amazing way of just completely ignoring it now as well. She's just like got this real gift of like anytime anything happens, she's always happens to be looking the other way <laughs> or she's fiddling with Trevor or something. <laughs> always something. That, and I'm like, did you not 
see that she's like no what? Like, what? She's and I'm almost now. a bit pissed off because I'm like people know who I am you know like <laughs> you give all your attention to Trevor yeah she's the only person I care about knowing how famous I am <laughs> <laughs> she's the one that couldn't give a shit yeah, she couldn't care less she never has cared she's never really She's probably the only person on the planet that's ever just like never given a shit. What does she do? So she's actually just started her first day. Uh uh, So she's completely changed career now. So she was uh, a marketing manager for quite a big agency in a property world. Um, And she's decided to come completely out of it and just start as an estate agent she's on like, her own no in in uh oscar and jane oscar jane oh yes yes so she's literally just going she's completely to- new career change she was just like oh, i just i just want to do something completely new and different she's stuck in an office all the time and she wants to a job where because she likes office stuff but she doesn't like it all the time yes. and so she wanted a job where she could be half the time out and about and half the time um in an office and, and she was and we were talking about it and it was like why don't you sell houses it's perfect because you can drive around the town yeah. be part of the community you can market the place and you can be in the office you're meeting people all the time and you can make some money as well because yeah. she's, she's really on it as well so I she'll mean, make a lot of commission i think she's gonna smash this actually um it's very very uh hard working likable person yeah she's just perfect estate agent really she's gonna she's gonna she's gonna nail it and i mean the problem is i said to her i was like okay the only issue is that like estate agents are notoriously assholes (laughs) so but the thing is you're not an asshole so so you might be able to really take the lead here (laughs) it's a bit like you as a rock star (laughs) you're a really nice rock star she's a really nice estate agent (laughs) in the land of the blind the one-eyed man is king so (laughs) so Maybe she, maybe she can really take over with this. So, uh, yeah, I think I think she's going to do great. But it's her first day today. Oh, bless her! Yeah, so it's a completely new career change, and it's pretty big. I mean, she's twenty seven, so she, you know, to be completely changing career it's completely a big step, yeah. is a big step. Um, but it makes sense because I, I, you know. I buy houses and everything I've ever made off, yeah. off music I've put into well, houses. Well, that's the other side that's interesting to you is that, it, is that you are a bit of a businessman behind the scenes as well. You've yeah. learned... With my mum, anyway. Yeah. yeah we're so, together, we, we've we've sort of um, built a sort of pro- property business. So you're, you're sensible. Yeah, but only because I haven't actually done that well through my life. So every time I've made a bit of money, I've known that it wasn't a big hit. So I've got to be careful with it. And my mum's always taught me that like, don't spend any money money on anything that's not going to make more money. Yes. Very wise. Yeah. So I'm still driving the same fucking piece of shit car that I've had since I was 18. My Fiat Punto. I'm still driving the same car. That is Um, cool. And it's such a piece of shit. But it's still going. It's never broken down. Did you say since you were 18? 18 yeah yeah yeah. it's my it's my pretty much my first ever car yeah i mean i used to borrow my mum's fiat 500 when i first learned to drive but um but this is my first car yeah so you're 32 yeah 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 and i still got the same car yeah i've had it for my whole life and and i just for me it's like okay a car's a bad investment doesn't make any money no you're right well nowadays apparently some people are saying it can make money depending on what you get but whatever fundamentally it's not a house yeah um 
And I don't need, I just don't need a new car. It's never broken down. It's fine. I don't, what's the point? I don't, I'm not a flashy guy. I don't want to drive around all I'm talking about fucking Lamborghini. Everyone going twat. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, which they what would. What are you doing? Driving, a, you know what I mean? When you <laughs> yeah. see like, like, one of my mates actually, he's in a, he's in a really very successful band. Um, I'm not going to name him um but but he's bought a ferrari uh and it, you know who i'm if you listen to this you know i'm talking about you i'm so desperate to know yeah. who it is. Uh, you know, fuck it. i'm gonna say dot it's dot from london grammar okay. right? and he's bought this fucking ferrari right and don't get me wrong it's lovely and it's big and bright and red and it looks brilliant but i know you're embarrassed about it i know that if you're driving about like because i see when he's <laughs> when someone says, "Oh, because well, it's one of those seatbelts," whenever he's doing a FaceTime, yes. and he's got his seatbelts <laughs> yeah. with the, uh, you know what I mean? And it's like, oh man, and it's like, what, what, what are you driving? And you can feel him going, "Ah, oh, it's just," you know what I mean? And he's <laughs> dancing around the subject, and I'm like, what? <laughs> Whereas I don't have any of that in my Fiat Punto, so, and also it's a runaround. You know what I mean, it means I don't have to clean it, I don't have to look after it, and um, and, and anyway, essentially, it's given me all of my money has always gone on houses so yeah. I've literally so I've got three now and I'm looking to buy my fourth and so I just put tenants in and, and my mates live in them and all you that. remind me of um Louis Theroux he was talking about uh watches, watches. and he was talking about his 15 pound Casio <laughs> and he was saying why would I get a Rolex or whatever because this works well a Casio is a good make as well yeah it's a good good and he was Casio. he was talking yeah. you said it's like it works it works it, it does what it I works. need it and to do don't get me wrong if if it uh, if it disobeys me and it, it leaves me on the motorway broken down I'll get a new car <laughs> yeah. I will I will get That'll a new car yeah and my girlfriend will be extremely happy um <laughs> Because she won't even sit in it anymore. It's that horrible. And <laughs> what it does is she like, need? Does she need a special cushion? Yeah, no, she like she, she literally spreads a whole sheet across the. It's horrible in there. It's like, <laughs> it is a horrible place to be. It's just covered in dust and shit. <laughs> I haven't cleaned it in in years and years and years. I mean, <laughs> I went. I took it to the um, I took it to the car cleaner place. You know the Polish guys. Yeah. In the, uh, and and they they refused it. <laughs> <laughs> they actually went. Yeah, they literally said it's too dirty, too bad, too dirty. <laughs> How bad is that? How bad is that? So now I'm going to have to clean it for them to then clean it. <laughs> oh, I'm literally. And I was saying to them, I was like, I'll pay you some more money. I'll pay you like double the price if you want. And they're like, No, no, no. We have too. We have no time. We don't time. To- <laughs> they're saying it's going to be a full half day job. <laughs> yeah, oh. but I was proud in a way. I was like, "Fair enough, man." Like, this is nobody else has had that experience. Yeah, it's fine, you know. And also, I don't like sh- I don't like the showy off thing. Do you know what I mean? So I wouldn't want I wouldn't want people to know how <laughs> how much. <laughs> <laughs> I know it's a shame, but uh, but still, I I'm fine with it, and and yeah, I mean it's good for the dog as well. Trev likes it. You know? <laughs> I mean, yeah, especially right when he's got it. a gold. <laughs> I mean, I had the whole car was full of a tip run that I was going to do, and it, I just ended up leaving it in there for like <laughs> months and months, three or four months. It was in there, and I was driving along once, and and a spider like dangled down from the roof it's incredible incredible. did you film it no 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 No, driving yeah 
to her safety <laughs> first, <laughs> safety with a leaf coming out of my. Uh, and Kirsten's like, oh, Bill, please, please, can you at least just get a bin bag or something? And I don't, I don't like that. I like the idea of just like having this one space because my house is clean. Do you know what I mean? I can't, I can't work. I can't do anything until, unless the house is, my house is always spotless, always. And I literally just freshly uh, cleaned the carpets yesterday. You know, when you go to uh, yes. Tesco's, you get that uh, rug doctor. Yeah, it's great oh, stuff. God. <laughs> Because I've got an obsession with hoovers as well. I collect uh, hoovers, so I've got. Like, <laughs> I know it's weird, but I've got a um, I've got a load of hoovers. So I've got like um, I've got a Dyson, I've got a Standard Vax, and then I've got some old school ones. I've got like a an old school like the Hoover. You know, remember when the yes, because the Hoover yes. is actually a make. Yes, it's, I know, yeah, I yeah, know. Yeah. So I've got one from the sixties, and I've got one from the fifties as well. And it, it literally even has a, a bulb, a light bulb. I mean, when you turn it on, it goes. It, it's terrifying really probably quite dangerous but um but amazing hoover Re- really like really big you're it looks like, like Tom darth Hanks vader with his typewriters but for hoovers oh yeah he's got his typewriters you've got your hoovers. yeah 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 does he still you do you know if he uses them i think he does yeah. yeah yeah well anyway so like i'm obsessed with like the house being clean i, I can't can't do anything unless my studio is always spotless so in in terms of actual life like it's nice so i like having this one little spot my car is just that one space where i can just not give a shit i just think of like your car like some people's feet yeah okay (laughs) (laughs) you know the wrong people (laughs) i really do (laughs) that's just been confirmed by billy i get it for shoes maybe but feet (laughs) Uh, if your foot was in the state my car is in you need to talk to someone about that (laughs) because that's a a medical issue there (laughs) and yet you choose to drive basically a medical issue well as well i think as well with with driving i when I was a kid as well, I, I, I sort of had a lot of accidents. So I passed my test first time and I ended up having like two or three crashes. Not not, not big bad ones, but just stupid ones. Where yeah. just like, I remember when I, I went over, you know, on, um, uh, is it Park Avenue North? Yes. You know that street? And there's like a lot of little roundabouts. Yes, there is. Yeah. yeah. And I ended up going over one. Uh, rather than round it i do that i know which one you mean yeah i went straight over at quite a speed <laughs> and, and my God, i remember the, the steering wheel suddenly went re- like just went no resistance at all it was like the wheels slightly left the ground for a second and then i smashed into the back of this bmw oh dear re- really bad really bad um uh, but it wasn't too, I was, I was like 20 miles an hour. So it was fast <laughs> enough to hit him, you yeah. know? Um, and I just, I just wasn't thinking really. And, and then it swung off the road. Four terrifying looking guys end up getting out of the car, running over to my car. <laughs> I try and lock the door, but they got there too quick. Um, open the door, pull me out, and then basically go to be- beat the shit out of me. Um, and I look up, and, and it was a guy that I went to lower school with. Oh, no. Right? This way. Indian guy called Afak. I, I couldn't believe it. I was like, Afak? <laughs> <laughs> and he was like Billy and I was like oh sorry man and he was like oh no oh, fuck. I was like fuck I thought you were going to beat me up and he was like I thought I was going to beat you up <laughs> I was like thank god and then we ended up hugging and I was like I'm really fucking sorry man and obviously both our cars were right off but um but it turned out he hadn't got any insurance or something so I, I think the whole thing was all a bit of a mess um <laughs> God. And I'd got a bit of whiplash as well. So it worked out in the end. <laughs> you know I mean? It was a good business choice. 
<laughs> yes. So, but, so I never really had a lot of respect for, for like cars in my world. I was just like, maybe I won't. But I promised <laughs> Kirsten that once I get my final, I need to get one more house and then I'm done and then I'm finished and then, and then I'll finally invest some money in a car. But uh, yeah, that's the only, only money I've ever spent is on houses. Ever. Which is, which is a good choice. I mean, especially yeah. in the industry you're in, because you do need that safety net. Always. Yeah. Cause you know what? Having, having a Patreon as well is, is, has been really great. Yeah. Um, for like my true hardcore fans and the houses has given me a, a, a way of being able to have like creative control yes so yeah. that if it turns out that the label doesn't like something i've done it doesn't matter i can i can just sort of move on yes whereas i think before when i was with warner and the label before that if they dropped me i was fucked yes i just had to do everything that they said just so they wouldn't drop me and it was just an awful way no to one live. wants to, that that's such a horrible position to be in yeah because then you just have to do what they tell you and a lot of the time it's wrong yes and uh and dot actually told me that uh london grammar guy um he uh, he said you know if you put something you don't like out and it fails you'll hate it hate the fact that it failed and if it does well you'll hate the fact that it did well so you can't win yeah that's because so you true. don't even like the song um Whereas if you put something out you love, then you, you, you will only ever win, you know. And, and now and I'm very lucky. Like everything that I've released in the last three or four years, I, I do really like. I do really, really love what I'm making. Which is just, what a powerful position to be in in life. Yeah, it hasn't done that well, but I love it. <laughs> yeah. well, it's done okay, I guess, but it hasn't, it hasn't really like flown. But... <laughs> Yeah. Oh my God. Well, what I will say about you, Billy, is that I mean, you look back over your story and you bring humour to the table. Like, yeah. One day, I'm pretty sure you're going to write a book because you have got so many stories. Yeah. I mean, literally, I wish I'd booked three days for this podcast because yeah. I've had the best time of my life. <laughs> my mum's. Thank you, by the way. That's great to hear. My mum's actually writing the book. She's writing the Billy Rocket story at the moment. No, well, that's going to yeah. be, that, I, I will buy it. Yeah. yeah. Although I don't know if she knows everything, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She can only tell half the story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's stories, I mean, honestly, it's just, <clears throat> this, this is called The New Mind, right? And the reason that I think it's important to have creatives on is because there is a slightly different way of thinking and way of living. And it does show you, I mean, you said something earlier on about if you want to be a singer, don't. And then you've told us all these phenomenal stories. This is know, the thing. This yeah. is actually the thing about it. I have had such a, a crazy, fun life doing this as yeah. a job. And I know, obviously, now we live in a world where everyone is a TikTok star and they spend their life on TikTok lives and singing. It's and, not the same. And, you know, honestly, I've, I've, I've been in crazy bars in Holland at four in the morning with a load of people I didn't know who couldn't speak English and and I've been in you know the most insane places in LA and New York and Germany all over the world and, and just done the most ridiculous things even in the UK even in Northampton doing Northampton <laughs> Music Festival and then having a good chat with some like homeless guy that had no idea what I'd just done or who I was <laughs> you know just this whole job just puts you in the most weird amazing situation like yeah. oh yeah the other, other day actually um <laughs> I did a show uh in um in Sheffield uh and it was it was a huge show it's like three and a half thousand people um and then I came off stage went to a bar 
went out to, to to use my vape and there was a guy that just w- walked over and he was like all right mate my car's just broken down can you just give me a push and i'll jump start it and i was like uh yeah and i was and honestly i know it sounds awful but he walked over to me and i was thinking oh here we go oh god he's gonna want a fucking picture isn't he uh, he's probably just seeing me on stage here we go okay yes it's me and then he's like and he's like, my car's right there. Can you give me a push? And I'm like, okay. And then I'm pushing it. And then this other woman comes over. She's like, do you need a hand? And I was like, yeah, yeah. And then and then she put a takeaway down on the floor. And then, and then eventually it was like three or four of us. And I'm just pushing this thinking, none of these people have a fucking clue. What, what I've just done. What I've just <laughs> oh, it's hilarious! And it was, and it was, wasn't an easy one because it was, he was parked, so we had to do a three-point turn push. So we had to push him this oh. way, push him that way, push him this way. Yeah, it was a nightmare. Yeah, it was, you and cars do not work. But it's just things like that, things like that. It just yeah, it, it's it's given me some amazing experiences. Like my whole life has has been a wild ride. Because it really of this. has. Yeah. You know, just with your dad's crazy lifestyle and then what you've seen and learned there and yeah. some of your own personal experience with Tourette's or whatever and yeah. you know the, the the little part where all you... the people you meet yeah this is the thing when you're on tour like you it's, it's interesting because now that I get now that I'm bringing all my mates on tour with me um it's great because I've been friends with some of these people for years and years and years but like they've never seen this side of my job yeah. and, and like I needed a driver for the last tour so I just brought one of my mates James he's a policeman but he, he just got the time off work came on <laughs> tour to drive this van and like and he, he was like this is so incredible like we're meeting so many people every day and doing all these crazy things and staying in all these weird hotels with <laughs> weird people it's, it's just an amazing yeah it's an amazing experience um do you, do you do you like the human experience? Yeah, I love it. I love it more than anything. I love yeah. it because I love people. I, 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 that's why I like writing songs because I just like the brain and I like yeah, me how too. people think. And yeah. yeah, I think it's really interesting learning about uh, how people work. Um, yes, and touring's great for that because you just see so many different brains in so many different cultures and cities and, yeah. and places all the time. Yeah, and everyone's like, and the nice thing about being a singer is everyone seems to like give their best version of themselves to of you because they, they want to, you know, they, which are, not not in an arrogant way, but just they they want to impress you yeah, in some do. way, which which is actually sometimes a good thing because it means you do get the best version of them, and it makes yeah. you want to give your best version yeah. to them as well. It's the magnet effect, isn't yeah. it? It's yeah. the energy, the flow of it's energy. Good energy, and yeah. I think that, that helps to make you a, a good person. I think the problem is when people are in environments where they go to a job that they hate with yes. people that are really miserable all the time, and then they're no energy, and then they just end up falling into this pit of nothing matters. Yeah, you know, yeah, which can just you know, it's not not a good way of living. No, it's not. And and as as hard as this has been at times for you, I think what you definitely have had. Is is the the stories, the memories, yeah. the moments that most people never get to have, yeah. And and that's not to say because you're lucky, because it's not about luck. It's about the fact that you've been able to do something that you've you've you say you said something earlier that you find it really easy, and this is just like this is your thing, and you just happen to be lucky enough to do it. But you've also had to work bloody hard because, as you've said earlier, someone like myself you know, can go out and earn money singing who can't really sing at all. Yeah. But that's because I was prepared to work. I guess, yeah, I have had to work hard in terms of 
the business side trying to strategize what, yeah. is this the right show to do is that the right like brand to work with is this the right tour to do yeah that kind of thing but in terms of like the the music side of things and the and the singing no, oh god I sound like such a twat but like I've always been able to play piano the same yes. way I could when I was like five. First time I ever played piano I could just play I don't know why I haven't got any I haven't got particularly better than I did when I was oh, I mean, wow. yeah I remember when I was my mum and dad got a piano when I was five years old um and my mum got it for her and I just sat down and just played it and I remember both of them I remember like the both of them looking at me like I was an alien or something. It was really, <laughs> yeah. They were scared. I remember them looking a bit scared. And I've just always been able to, always just, like guitar, not so much. I had to learn that. But piano, I've always been able to play it this, almost the same way I can now. And the same with singing. I've always been able to, no, never had any lessons. I don't read any music. I mean, not being able to read music, there's loads of artists that don't read music now. It's not really a novelty. But in terms of the music side of things, it has been easy. I'm like, without it sounding dickish i haven't had to learn anything and i don't know <laughs> why and i'm it just didn't it just didn't have to songwriting wise yes there was like that was a craft and i was had to work out how to really lyrically lyrics are lyrics yes. i've always found yeah. difficult yeah you know being a, trying to write a song that really says what you want it to say clearly mm. but not too clearly um, it's hard. That's that's the hard bit. I suppose that brings me neatly onto two things, really, before we wrap up. One, how does the likes of ChatGPT and stuff affect you personally? And also the classical album. I really wanted to just go, mm. classical album, because that, that's really interesting that you've gone off and done that. Yeah. So ChatGPT, <laughs> I find that it helps me when I'm t in terms of social media. Yes. Like if I'm trying to come up with like an interesting status or something, <clears throat> but even then, I tried it for a bit, and then I kind of just preferred to just yeah, write it myself. Yeah, it's a bit shit. Yeah, because it, it doesn't really come up with anything that interesting. It's the same bullshit every yeah, single time. Unless you've already got something and, and it's not quite working, and then you're it like, gives you "Hey, a can you?" Yeah, it gives you a structure to what yeah. you need to say. So, say you're really struggling to go, "Oh, guys, da 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 da." It will give you the structure, and then you can put your personality into it. But on yeah. its own, it's not advisable. On its own, it doesn't work. And in terms of like an actual writing songs, I mean, I've never tried. I don't really have any interest in trying. For me, it, I wouldn't even want to. No, I, I want to write it myself, really. Um, unless I'm sort of collaborating or co-writing with someone else, yes, um, who's a human being. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And um, with the classical album, it was, it's interesting because it, classical, when I, when I was a kid, me and my dad used to bond over like, when I was about, probably about 11 or 12, we would bond over me basically. I could always play piano, but I didn't, I, I could always sing, but I didn't sing because mm -hmm. when you're 12, singing is what girls do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just lame, isn't it? It's just lame. A <laughs> year old boy singing. What are you doing, mate? You're gonna get beaten up, especially in the nineties. So, <laughs> so I was I was a piano player, and so me, and my dad would record. He had this like really terrible old software called Cubase. Um, it's like one of the early days of Cubase, and um, and we had a grand. We had this piano in the in the front room. And we got all these mics together, and we would sort of just like it would sound terrible. We just have fun trying to record my piano songs, right? Um, and I would just make up piano stuff as we go along. Um, and a lot of the time, I wouldn't even know what I was playing until we pressed record. So then I'd just sort of bumble along with it. Wow. Um, and then we'd just sort of see where we go. And so when I made this classical album through COVID, 
I did the same thing. So, so basically about seven or eight of those songs on the album, I didn't even, I didn't write. So, well, I did write, but I wrote them at the, on the spot essentially. So yes. press record and then just literally just put my hands down and just see where it goes basically and just wander about through it because you'd find paths so you'd feel like a vibe and you'd be like oh, okay and then and then you'd, you'd you'd hear that it could go down that way and then you go there and then and then that would lead over to that it's almost like Takeshi's you ever seen Takeshi's yeah. castle yeah yes yeah you know the, uh, the no, you know knock knock yeah. you've seen that with all yeah. the doors and yes. then you go through one door and then you've got another five doors and then some of them are shit and some of them are good yeah and, and so you just have to hope that you keep going through the right one basically and but, wow. but with with this there was no wrong door really so i so like most of so basically I, I used the same concept for this album as a sort of a nod to what me and my dad used to do back in the day oh that's so lovely and then and all the artwork is his paintings yes, I, and, I saw that yeah yeah and so the whole thing is kind of um an ode to to him really that's yeah. really really beautiful yeah right. and just the way you that you've described that is that because I believe a lot in the energy of everything, like everything yeah. is energy. And that's essentially what that album is, isn't it? It's just your yeah. energy going where it needs to go. Totally. Yeah. It was, and it was also a way of me learning how to produce because it was the first first thing that I recorded at the house in, in the cellar myself. So I was just getting the hang of it and I couldn't really do vocals, but I could just about manage to record and produce a piano. And you are quite different in that sense. I think the fact that you've got, you know, lots of different areas. I just to want to explore. learn everything about it. I just, yeah. I just want to. I just want to be, you know, the the best I can be and what true I'm doing. Artist. Yeah, yeah. I think that's what's come out is that because it will hold you back if you don't know. Like my dad was an artist, and so you know, he painted humans, so he learnt every bone in the body. Yeah, he learnt the human anatomy. Yeah, and he would sit in in surgeries regularly. Wow. you know, and he would take photos and video holes, all sorts of surgeries, so that when he was painting a knee, he knew exactly what bone and muscle he was painting, so he didn't get it wrong. Wow. So essentially, in, in a way, I want to know exactly what compressor I'm supposed to be using, and, what, and there's, there's a whole world of it. I mean, it does get a bit too nerdy for me at times, but, <laughs> but as long as you know mo just more than the basics, I think yeah. that's enough to be like... When you're, when you're listening to a track now, it helps because when I do work with a producer and they send me a vocal back, I can be like, can you turn tone down the, the, the EQ or can you push the compressor up a little harder or can you turn down the, yes. the de-esser? And, and, and I know what, whereas before I used to be like, oh, I just don't like it and I don't know why <laughs> and maybe it sounds a bit, and then producer would be like, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> Kids have been signed to Warner. He's no idea what he's on about. <laughs> <laughs> but look at you now. I mean. In a cellar in Northampton. No, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to go to my cellar in Northampton now. Around the corner. <laughs> yeah, around the corner. Who knew we were cellar friends? <laughs> yeah. I feel so at home in this, yeah. I know, it's so familiar. I, <laughs> yeah. I did it just for you. Normally, yeah, I'm, in the, I'm in Paulsley Hall. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, normally upstairs. Normally I'm in a grander place, but I knew it was yeah. you. No, but I'm really glad that we did this. Yeah, it's just thank been you, honestly. So thank, much thank you for having me on. This is this is great. I love podcasts, and this is a big one and a good one, so I'm really grateful. Oh, I appreciate that, Billy. It's just been the funniest yeah. couple of hours of my life. Yeah. I'll never, ever it's forget it, fun, even yeah. though you will. <laughs> no, I won't, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll be one you. of my fondest memories. I just, I'm so grateful. And if people aren't crying and wetting themselves at the same time, listening to this, I'll be surprised. That's the effect <laughs> I do have on people. Yeah. <laughs> crying and piss. <laughs> yeah. 
Tears and Piss. Yeah. <laughs> what a way to end your episode. the name of the second album, right? Tears and Piss. <laughs> <laughs> right. On that note, on Tears and Piss, we will end. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>